And Jason Whittington mentioned a movie, uh, the Flaming Lips movie, Christmas on Mars, which is a kind of avant-garde, artsy, musical, uh, oddball flick. It's definitely worth seeing, particularly if you like The Flaming Lips. It also features in a very brief uh, cameo, one of the last performances by uh, Kevin McCarthy from Invasion of the Body Snatchers fame. And he was, of course, also in a lot of uh, Joe Dante's films. And then we have, uh, we're going to take a moment and hear from Ian Urza, who reviewed the movie Dial Code Santa, also known as Deadly Games. You can find it on Shudder. And it's funny, when Ian uh, sent me this uh, voicemail, it was actually just before the Joe Bob Briggs uh, Saves Christmas episode on Shudder, where he covered both Christmas Evil from 1980 and Dial Code Santa. So here's Ian Urza reviewing Dial Code Santa, a.k.a. Deadly Games. Hey guys, this is Ian Urza uh, calling into the, or uh, doing a voice recording for the uh, Phantom Galaxy podcast. Nate, obviously I know you from, you know, your guest appearances on Land of the Creeps and Bill, I know you're a co-host. Uh, you guys said you were doing an episode on uh, Christmas horror movies and Nate, you told me to send in a recording. Um, the film I'd like to talk about is is Deadly Games and I I've only seen it twice. I just rewatched it uh, in order for, uh, to do this call. And I actually find it to be a very fun movie. Um, and it's about um, this, this killer Santa Claus, not really a killer Santa Claus. It's more like this. It's more like a home invasion movie, a home alone style movie. And, you know, I don't really know. There's, there's so many quirky things with this movie. I mean, the kid is like, I don't know if he's like trying to be Rambo or trying to be the character from Commando, but like there are, there are several differences between this movie and Home Alone, even though it has uh, similarities. I mean, one, the killer is way more threatening. He actually kills people, even though at times you're not entirely sure what his motive is. I mean, the killer is really interesting in this movie because in some ways the movie feels like a psychological thriller. It's hard to classify this movie because it's so, it's just so crazy. But the, the killer it doesn't you really don't know what his motivation is ever it's like okay is he mad because people don't believe in santa claus or is he mad because this kid thinks this this one kid you know that one kid in the um in like the uh the clothing store where the kid's mother works uh said you know you don't look like santa claus or i don't like the way you look or something so then he gets mad and snaps like it's his motivation is is a complete mystery but overall, again, the kid and everything, the best parts of this movie is when the kid sets up the traps in the house. I mean, he has this one where he he has like these two darts that are set up by a tripwire with a gun. And uh, he has another one where he like lights a um, almost like a, a suction cup dart on fire. And then that triggers a fire uh, for the, the fire trap for the Santa Claus. And then there's the one where he's pursuing him throughout the house and they like see each other in this hallway. Uh, and we had seen him earlier in the movie, you know, do the thing uh, with his dog. Cause he always has like the tracker on his dog or whatever tr to try to find his dog when he's doing these like little, um, you know, when he's playing these little games in, in and around the house and the, the one where he has him fall through like this trap door on the ground and into the net. And that's another thing I want to talk about too, is this killer, does he have the ability to teleport? Like he locks him inside the net. Then like next scene, oh, he's out of the net. <laughs> then the next scene, there's another scene where he locks him in like a sauna. And then all of a sudden he's just out of the sauna. And then there's another scene where the kid's trying to get away in this car. And the guy is just in the car behind him. It's like, what, what's going on? When did this happen? 
how did he get in the car? But uh, the the again, it, trying to I'm struggling for words here. The 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 traps of the kid sets are fun, and even the end of the one at the end where he has like the the toy grenade on the choo choo train that doesn't work. But at its core, what makes this sort of a different movie from other Christmas movies is the fact that. Christmas horror movies anyway, is the fact that it actually feels like a Christmas movie. you got the mother who's trying to go home to her son, similar to Home Alone, um, and you know the kid trying to defend his grandfather. And by the way, there were some interesting camera shots in this movie too, at least to me. Interesting use of slow motion, interesting use of of music. I enjoyed, you know, the the shots on the killers, the focuses on the killer's eyes and the kid's eyes. And I thought overall the kid was actually a pretty good actor. I thought his acting was was fine. Maybe it's something to do with the language translation, but I didn't find him annoying, and I found some of his emotional moments uh, to be interesting. And like I said, the scenes where he suits up, they kind of look like scenes more from Commando, you know, the scenes where Arnold's suiting up in Commando, and then the headband is, is Rambo. That's the only thing that makes it seem uh, a little bit more like Rambo. And then one of the questions I wanted to ask both of you, because I know you guys both have kids, would you guys show this movie to your kids? Because it's not – it's or at a certain point, maybe not a really young kid, and of course they would have to read the subtitles. I guess if you took the language translation out of it, it would be a little easier. Let's just pretend there's no language barrier and the kids can just watch the movie without having to read it. Would you guys show this movie to your kids? I mean I'm 24. I don't have kids. I didn't find this movie that violent, and I found it to be kind of just a more extreme version of Home Alone with a, a somewhat more threatening killer, although sometimes you don't really understand his motivations because he lets the kid go multiple times. But I mean to me it's it's fun, and I'm like all the, all the hidden rooms. Like I, as a kid, I would have loved to have seen this movie where like – okay, there's like this hidden room behind a closet and then behind a fridge where all the toys are in the house from our – from like you know our family ancestors and everything. And then uh, again, another thing that I want to talk about real quick was the music because there's like this – there's some of the action scenes have like this Hong Kong action music. It sounds like it belongs to like a John Woo movie. Then there are other scenes where the, the music is like this uh, – this like enchanting Disney music, like the part when he goes out of the house and onto the roof trying to get away from the killer. And, and again, I'll, I'll just keep talking. I know I'm kind of ranting because I'm just kind of trying to get all my thoughts out. But the the kid, he's just a like it seems like he's a genius. Like he can fix cars. He has this whole computer set up of the layout of his house. And he he's really good at making these traps. Like he's like a mini like, you know, Rambo or like a jigsaw from, you know, like the Saw movies. And uh, let me see here. I don't think I have too much, too much more to add. Too much more I can think of. Um, but like I said, the story is at its at, at fundamentally just a fun Christmas story. That's what I think makes it interesting. You know, you got the family trying to stay together, the mother trying to come home, and it actually feels like a Christmas movie, um, which I can't say for much many other horror movies. Um, they're you know, I don't. Th I think people define Christmas movies differently. You know, I think if it's not a family movie or, or something like that, people have a hard time saying it's a Christmas movie. I mean, heck, It's a Wonderful Life is considered a Christmas movie, and it barely takes place on Christmas. So what's to say that this shouldn't be a Christmas staple? I think, truly, if you're saying what what should be considered a Christmas horror movie, I think this th this movie, Deadly Games, is is really it. Ian, thank you for that. Thanks for the review. And 
I I agree with what you're saying. I do think that this has a very Christmassy tone to it. There is, uh, it is darker, much darker than Home Alone, in a sense, because I have always argued that the kind of sadistic glee that Kevin McAllister has in taking on uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, there's a sense there that uh, because we don't really see any extreme consequences to what he's doing to them, that, uh, and they are cat burglars trying to break into his home, that there's a certain sensibility where he's allowed to run amok and do what he wants and he's going above and beyond to hurt them dial code santa is interesting because the survival stakes are very different we do understand that santa's a killer and we understand that this boy is also trying to protect not just himself or his home but his grandfather and that sets up different stakes that also makes it more intense but at the heart you still have a family who the mother like you said is trying to get home and they're trying to survive and it's a lot of fun and santa's an interesting character as you pointed out because not santa but this uh imposter who's pretending to be santa the because you're never quite sure what his motivation is and the the kind of american title deadly game sort of fits well because you're never quite sure how much is santa just toying with the kid but we do see scenes of violence to answer your question you you asked the question about kids i think a kid of a certain age could watch this however i would say it might be good if you have children particularly children who do believe in santa or still sort of uh, engage in in the imagination of Santa Claus. I would wait until that phase has passed. Maybe the maybe the first time the kid comes to you and says, "Hey, I figured it out." You can sit down and watch this movie. But uh, the my concerns really. You're right. The violence is mild in comparison to a a typical horror film. But there is a a piece, although it's not it's not excessive in the way it is is depicted. But there's a scene of animal violence that occurs in front of the child that I thought was just the thing that would push it over for me in terms of this is not really a movie that uh, you may want to show a child at Christmas. But I, I definitely think that we keep in mind it is a milder film than most of the of the Santa horrors that are out there for certain. Uh, it does have the feeling that this was almost more of a PG-13. It doesn't have a rating. But I, I think it's a lot of fun. It's a very weird, offbeat movie. And, and even the ending has a almost bittersweet tone to it. Uh, when, when you when you get to the, the kind of uh, child's final moments there, there is a there's an almost a, an existential crisis brewing at that point. But a lot of fun. Uh, now... I'm going to turn it over to Dave Becker, who's going to talk about another movie that came years after Home Alone, but also bears a little bit of uh, similarity and debt to it. So here's Dave Becker with Better Watch Out. Hello, everyone. This is uh, Dave, uh, Dr. Shock Becker from the Horror Movie Podcast and Land of the Creeps and uh, my own podcast, DVD Infatuation, which is on the Considering the Cinema uh, part of the Considering the Cinema podcast by Jason Piles. And uh, it's the Christmas season, and I'm here to talk about a movie from 2016 called Better Watch Out. Now, the first time I saw this was in 2017 at the uh, meetup, the horror movie podcast, the, the movie podcast network meetup in Salt Lake City. Uh, we were all, all got together. On uh, on a Saturday, I want to say it was, which would have been uh, I it would have been Saturday the 14th. Uh, if anyone gets that reference, there's a uh, 
movie uh, for, comedy from the 80s uh, with Richard Benjamin and Paula Prentice called Saturday the 14th. But that was the date that we had the meetup and uh, of October, Saturday the 14th of October. And um, we got together, I want to say the University of Utah. And uh, we, we went into one of the media rooms there, or, or was it? it was more like a, an auditorium, I guess, that they had uh, allowed us to use for the day. And Chris Peckover, the director, uh, brought in Better Watch Out to screen for us. He, he had listened to our movie podcast. He was a fan of the podcast. And um, he brought the movie in. And it was uh, quite an experience uh, to see it that day. Um, we had two movies we screened that day, Tremors. And then we had a panel discussion afterwards. And uh, then Better Watch Out, which we also had a panel discussion afterwards. And that panel discussion is... Uh, was released as an episode on Horror Movie Podcast. Uh, but anyway, uh, just to sort of set the movie up, again, it's from 2016. It was uh, shot in Australia, uh, although it's set in uh, the United States. And um, it's about a, a young man named Lucas, uh, played by Levi Miller. Uh, he has a crush on his babysitter, Ashley, uh, Olivia DeJong. Um, and his parents are going away for the night. Um, the babysitter's uh, coming in. Uh, you know, she's going to watch him. And uh, uh, Lucas has some ideas as to what he can do to maybe impress uh, this babysitter. She's probably four or five years older than him. He's like, I think he's uh, 12, <laughs> the character in this movie. But um, he's going to try to impress his, uh, impress his babysitter. And um, he's got his friend Garrett there, uh, played by Ed Oxenhold, and they're and they're um, trying to figure out uh, what he can do uh, to sort of, um, uh, I guess, get her uh, get her attention. Um, and uh, anyway, as the evening is uh, playing out, and he's thinking of things like sitting there watching a movie with her, or or uh, you know something along those lines. Well, it it seems as if. Um, Somebody's trying to break into the house and um, uh, the babysitter, um, Ashley, uh, is, is um, you know, trying to, to protect Lucas and they're running upstairs. They go into the attic. Uh, they're trying to hide because there's somebody walking around the house. Uh, it's like a home invasion. And um, I don't want to go any further than that because there is a major twist halfway through the movie. But I just want to the probably the thing that impressed me the most about Better Watch Out, um, aside from its story, which does have some in, in, impressive twists and turns to it. Um, there's a scene that's a little bit of, a, of an homage to um, a very graphically violent homage to Home Alone, to a sequence in uh, to a scene in Home Alone. Uh, it's the performances. Um, people who have seen um, M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit will uh, recognize both. Olivia DeJong, who plays Ashley, and Ed Oxenhold, who plays Garrett. They were a brother and sister in The Visit, who were going to um, to spend time with their grandparents, who they had never met before. Uh, well, they're back together in this film, and they both give good performances, especially uh, Olivia DeJong. I think she's very strong in this. But I think the, the, the best uh, performance is definitely uh, Levi Miller as um as lucas uh he is it's again i don't want to go too far into the plot because 
I don't want to give away the twist in the film, uh, which happens really at the halfway point, maybe even before the halfway point. But anyway, um, Lucas is not necessarily who he seems to be. And the way Levi Miller portrays him, it's it's almost it's almost like, a, well, he's like a borderline villain sort of character. And you kind of like him, but yet you feel a little bad for liking him. And then as the story progresses, you like him even less. And it just is an amazing performance uh, that uh, he, he takes this character who's sort of sort of seems like a, a, a delusional kid and transforms it into something much more sinister uh, as the movie progresses. Um there is some uh, comedy in it. I thought the script was script was very clever. Um, even when you, you think you've seen everything it has to give you, the movie finds a way to surprise you. I mean, right up to the final shot. Uh, and there is, like I said, there's a, a pretty, there's a, a fair amount of violence in it. And one of them uh, is a throwback to a scene from Home Alone. Actually, one of the more violent sequences. Uh, it also has uh, playing the parents. It has. Um, one second here. Where is that? I'm going to re I'll restate that line because I got to find it here. In my oh, here it is. Uh, playing Lucas's uh, parents in the film are Virginia Madsen and Patrick Warburton. Uh, they have a, a, you know, they're not in the movie much because they leave early on uh, and they do turn up again at the end. But um, it's really the young cast that carries this film and they do a remarkable job of it. And I think uh, it was... Uh, it's a movie that I'm going to return to. I, I've already seen it this holiday and I'm going to return to it every holiday. It's going to become like a staple for me along with uh, Black Christmas um, and um, actually a, a funny, a Christmas horror story is becoming that as well. The, uh, the anthology film. Uh, but if you have not seen uh, 2016's Better Watch Out, do yourself a favor and watch it as soon as you can. Again, this is Dave, Dr. Shock Becker from Land of the Creeps, a horror movie podcast and the DVD Infatuation podcast. Uh, wishing everyone a uh, very happy and safe holiday season and uh, hopefully a much better 2021 than uh, than 2020 has been. Take care, everyone. Dave, thank you for that review. And you better watch out is, is, is one to check out. I The first time I saw the film, I saw it with a a big group of people we every year we would get together and do sort of a find a quirky or strange Christmas movie to watch and the year that better watch out came out and I think it it when it was finally available it sort of uh, debuted I believe on Shutter we pulled it up we watched it and most people were very unhappy with it and I think that has something to do with some of the twists and turns that occur in the movie but over time, it has grown on me, and it, it definitely falls into that genre of Christmas movie that we're about to discuss uh, tonight, which is the sort of bah humbug movie, the movie that takes the tact that uh, sentimentality at Christmas may in fact be overrated, and I, I do think uh, you can have a lot of fun with it. So check out Better Watch Out. Again, that's 2017. Uh, Better Watch Out is the alternate title also for Christmas Evil from 1980. So be aware there are two movies out there with, uh, with that same title. So without further ado, though, I, we're going to go ahead and get our episode started. Again, have a safe and happy holidays.
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phantom Galaxy podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bartlebaugh, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, uh, Bill Van Vagel. Bill, how are you? I am doing just amazing. It's a wonderful, cold day here in Canada for everywhere else in the world. I don't know what it's like, but we're preparing for snow. Well, I'm here in Baltimore. We don't have any snow yet, but it's a, it's, it's a little ch- uh, chilly outside. It hasn't gotten full-blown cold yet this season, and we do have a couple holiday episodes coming up. But pretty excited about this one. This episode is going to be dedicated to offbeat Christmas movies, and mostly within the realm of science fiction, fantasy, and horror. We tried to stay within those realms. But we're we're going to talk probably a little bit later about some some titles that fall outside of that. But to do this, we brought a couple of guests in, and these are guests who are new to Phantom Galaxy for the first time, although most likely, if you're listening to this, you've probably heard them other places. Uh, we have Hugh Lloyd from the Undead Wookiee. Hugh, how are you doing? I'm very good. Shamai, how are things? Yeah, they're going great. They're going great. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about, for people who don't know, what the Undead Wookiee is, a podcast, not the Wookiee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Undead Wookiee is um, uh, it's a fortnightly ish podcast. I say ish because, yeah, time, you know, work and everything else. Try to get an episode out every fortnight and we focus on horror and sci fi. Um, and we do like to take a deep dive, you know, and we just generally we tend to sort of go off in various tangents. As uh, anybody who's listened, we can start maybe talking about Friday the 13th and end up talking about John Wayne as Genghis Khan um it's it's no yeah. that has never happened it sounds like what we do here too <laughs> except we don't always come back um but yeah it's just just an excuse just to talk film and talk horror and uh yeah i mean you know we're up to episode 87 coming up now and so, and how yeah. did that how did the episode go with dr dave becker um do you know what in terms of just wind somebody up and let them go just Dave is a force of nature uh, and getting him to, and just letting him talk about Texas uh, Chainsaw. It's just uh, just just music to any film film nerds years. But uh, trying to keep him uh, keep him on track is just wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why that's why we have a 2001 uh, Space Odyssey episode that's longer than the actual film. <laughs> Cool. I it's love it. It's a good one. We did that one with Greg Morgan. How is that possible? Yeah, well, it's, it's just a little bit. To be fair, we also talked about 2010, and we maybe went just a minute or two over the length. But, yeah, you yeah, you would, you wouldn't think. But that's very cool. And I just listened to the episode that you had uh, for uh, the Valley of Guanji, the Ray Harryhausen-related uh, movie, and that was awesome. That was really good. Oh, and you, your sometime co-host over at the undead wookie a very frequent guest is peter nielsen who's also with us and is a permanent fixture over at retro movie geek podcast uh how are you doing today peter or tonight I'm, well yeah it is tonight actually <laughs> but i'm doing fine better than this morning when i had to go to work so uh it's always more fun going home from work than going to work and, and do we have to ask where you're located uh yeah because i'm not in the closet because my uh one of my daughters is at her boyfriend's house so i got her room hey. well <laughs> the two podcasts, and that room is located get... where uh, next in a to house the closet. in a yeah know, like a children's book in the, <laughs> the bottom of the seat. next to my usual recording spot the closet I'm gonna say, just... so you're not you're not beside negligee or pantyhose or anything of that nature uh you don't have to answer that, Peter. That's okay. not, We don't grill guests like that usually. I was, I, was, I was looking around thinking, I hope not. <laughs> Never asked anyone else what laundry they were wearing. He's getting a little cheeky. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm well, in a full bag. I have the, the you, I have the one you snap open in the crotch, so easy <laughs> access. Is that, is yeah. that the gun in front of it, like Tom Savini and uh, Dust Till Dawn? <laughs> uh, I, I'm not answering that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair <laughs> enough. Is any, anybody got any seasonal drinks or anything going on right now? I didn't, uh, nah. didn't get any eggnog. I have, I have juice, orange juice. I, I have water in my Paw Patrol cup for my daughter. Yeah, okay, so you, so you know one. you have kids. I've got the. I've, I actually have a a, a Wookie mug right here, like a it's a ceramic nice. Wookie mug. So there it is. It wasn't intentional, but that's what I have. And it also has water in it. <laughs> anyway, it's a weekday. It is well, a weekday. It's not quite close again, enough. When this goes up, it'll be closer to Christmas than it is this moment. So I'm not not quite feeling the festivities just yet here. Um. But, so let's go ahead and get started. We have some pretty interesting movies. And again, the idea was kind of a picking an offbeat Christmas movie or holiday-related movie to talk about. And Hugh, I'm going to let you go first. You can tell everybody what your movie is and tell us a little bit about it. And then uh, we'll chime in. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so I picked um, Silent Night, Deadly Night uh, from 1984. Um, I love this one. This is one of my favorite sort of out of those sort of your, your classic sort of 80 slasher Christmassy horror kind of movie. Um, it's just a really mean, nasty film. Um, and I'd forgotten how nasty it actually was until I was rewatching it the other night. Um, and essentially you got the story of uh, little Billy um, who is trauma. When you talk about a, sort of a character who has trauma, trauma heaped on them, it just you're watching it and Billy, it just gets piled on him throughout the movie. Um, and essentially, you've got this 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 young boy uh, who gets dragged to sort of uh, see his grandfather, who he thinks is in a catatonic state. And then when his parents leave him alone, his grandfather tells him that Santa is going to punish him for being bad. And then on the way home, this kid is totally freaking out because he thinks Santa is going to come and punish him. And then the, the his family get carjacked and murdered by somebody dressed as Santa. Um, and then he ends up in this orphanage run by um, nuns with a sadistic streak uh, who just seem to just punish him whenever he's freaking out around about Christmas. Um, oh, it's great. It's a great film. I love it. It's just it's gory. It's silly. It's got it's got a great cast. Um, you know, you've got uh, Lillian uh, Siobhan, I think. Yeah, Lillian Siobhan. Uh, people remember it in uh, Malcolm in the Middle as uh, Malcolm's grandmother. She plays the mother superior in this and she's just superb. She's like this sort of sort of almost like stoic, um, hard ass, really mean spirited nun uh, throughout it. You've got uh, Robert Brian Wilson, uh, who plays uh uh, the, the, the the sort of the, the Santa gone bad. Um, you got um, Britt Leach pops up in this uh, as the toy store owner. Um, and like any fans of like uh, John Candy, uh, Dan Aykroyd movie, The Great Outdoors, um, yes. where weird, he... weird science. Yes, yeah, well, weird science. He's in as well. Um, you know, and it's, and of course, Lieta Quigley pops up in this. Um, this, this, this there's a lot of boobs in this film as well. Um, which I totally forgotten about. Um, I, you know, just, just totally, you know, my, my mind went blank thinking about it and very, very much reminded, uh, when it came on. Um, it's, yeah, it's great. It's got some awesome gore. It's got some fantastic kills in it. Um, it's re, I've, 
it's very, very pacey, very, very pacey for a film and very, very self-contained um, in its uh, in the way it all where it all unfolds. Um, and I mean, it's, it's not a massive budget, but the money is well spent throughout. And it's got like I said, it's got really, really good performances in it. Um, Charles E. Seller Jr. Uh, was the director on it. And um, what's really interesting, he essentially just passed um when i was sort of re- just doing a little bit of reading around it um he pretty much passed all the heavy gore scenes over to the second unit director uh because he felt he was so uncomfortable with it um but yeah he's you know known for like sort of um uh, for, he did the annihilators um in 1995 he did snowballing you know so this guy has got sort of you know fairly schlocky pedigree it's a great great b movie uh, it's, it's 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 just wonderful i love it it's great I think Annihilator's just got a really good, uh, well, not just, but uh, sometime uh, back got a really nice Blu-ray release. Yeah, I haven't seen it in years. It's, I mean, it's not, to be fair, it's not a good movie. Yeah, I haven't seen that one It's It's entertaining. I did just watch The Eliminators with my kids, (gasps) but that's a very different movie. (laughs) Ninja's Sight. That one is good. Yeah, it, it holds up. I mean, it's super cheesy, but I was like... This is everything you want. And I like that it was largely uh, something I could show to the kids, you know. There was yeah, a little it's bit a, of side it's a comic. It's a basically yeah. a comic book uh, yeah. movie. And and the poster alone is worth well, – I need that just poster got the my po- house Yeah, if you just yes. got the poster, you, yeah. you, it's it's worth it. Yeah, it's a great film. The Eliminator is a great film. Yeah, superb. And Peter, what are your thoughts about Silent Night, Deadly Night? Well – to be honest, I have not seen that in so long that I don't really remember much about it other than it being nuts. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't have time that? to rewatch. I didn't have time to rewatch it because it's been I've been a little swamped in the last couple of days. But uh, so I need to go back to it. I have it somewhere on my shelf. I think it has a nice Arrow release. I think that's the one I have. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to go back to watch it, but I remember it being nuts and gory and, uh, like you said, very mean spirited. You know, like a normal Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> yeah. So I don't really have. I. I. There's not much to say because I don't really remember all that much about it because it's been way too long. And that was largely my experience, too, was I hadn't seen it in a very long time, and I remembered mostly all the things you said. I did just last year, and it was honestly the first time I'd ever seen it. I watched Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, and we had a bunch of people over, you know, back when you could do that sort of thing. And we watched it. And the olden days. The olden days. You know, we, we had it on the projector. And I was surprised how much I really – how much plot there was even in that movie. Yeah. And of course, uh, part two, you know, people talk about it being a great bad movie. That's largely because of the performance that's in there. They just – it's tilted at a certain angle, but there's still a story going on in that movie. It's not to me. It's not quite a troll too. You know, you can still kind of get into it. And there's a lot of footage from Silent Night, Deadly Night in Part Two. So as I was rewatching now this, the Silent Night, Deadly Night Part One this week, I was like, oh, okay. There's a lot, a lot of that footage made its way from one movie, and they shot a few extra scenes. This falls into that bah humbug category of Christmas movies for sure, oh, yeah, which yeah, are probably definitely. my favorite kind. Uh, you know. But and you probably like I, I don't know if you guys remember like in the 
the, the 80s when this came out, there was that uproar and fervor about it. And I was, a, I was a little too young to really fully process it, but I remember hearing my parents talk about, you know, they hadn't seen the movie either, but can you believe this, you know, that there's this Santa killer movie? And of course there were a lot of them, but I feel like this is the one that probably bore the brunt of it and also as a result got enough notoriety to sort of probably build a, a small following even at that time. Well, it just it when you think about it. Sorry, Peter. I mean, it, this opened um, the same weekend as Nightmare on Elm Street, the, uh, yes. the first one. And actually, in its first two weeks, took more uh, at the box office than Nightmare did in, in its in its first sort of first couple of weeks of running. Um, and then it sort of it did sort of subside a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it sort of you know there was huge sort of uproar about it. And then sort of famously, Mickey Rooney. Uh, came out and sort of gave this film a bit of a sort of public lambasting um, and then subsequently ended up starring in part five <laughs> or part four, the toy part five, as, the part toy five maker. as the toy maker, uh, which is just yeah. like, which is just crazy, which is, you know, he just reappeared in it. But apparently when he signed on to the film, it wasn't actually uh, being called Silent Night, Deadly Night. It was just the toy maker. And then they tacked the Silent Night, Deadly Night onto it. And Ooh. for a long time, he didn't know that he had made oh, a Silent like Night. It's like they said, remember when you lambasted our movie? Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> that's, the, that's the lesson, right? That's what I was about to say is, yeah, you always be careful about deciding <laughs> to publicly make a statement against some form of media because, and you're absolutely right, Hugh, you can kind of tell. It's like, I, I looked at that and you watched the movie, which ironically growing up the only you know uh when i was in middle school and stuff and we were renting these movies you know there was still that stigma silent identity like that's really bad don't rent that but part five looks like it's about killer toys knock yourself out you know <laughs> so that was the the only one i saw and that movie is insane too it's still i mean garnered enough uh attention and money up to uh so they they did a lot of secret sequels to it so i mean they must have done something right. And I think as each sequel went, the budget went lower and lower. Most likely. Yeah. <laughs> this is, a, like you said, this is a fun and it's an effective slasher movie. And it's all it's very interesting because, again, there is a lot more plot there than I was expecting there to be. And as you point out, Hugh, this kid gets crapped on pretty regularly oh, by, it's, it's it's, just, you know. The, the the scene you know where he's when this kid is you know this kid kid is just so he's he's in the orphanage they've given him a horrific mullet haircut um he's that getting alone. That, you yeah. know he's getting punished because you know the one nun tells him it's okay to leave his room so the other nun you know mother superior catches mother him. ratchet yeah <laughs> gets so he gets hit with a belt and and um, he gets whacked pretty good. Yeah, he gets hit with a belt, um, and then when he has a nightmare, they tie him to the bed. Yeah, they're like, this isn't Christmas. He always, it is, it's very Christmas. He's a very Dickensian, almost, or or at least O. Henry. <laughs> you know, it definitely then, has this very gothic sort of feel to it, but then it has that 80s Christmas kitsch stuff that I love. Yes. Like, the feel of, the, of it is like walking into, like, a grimy, like, you know, convenience store in the middle of winter in 1982. <laughs> Yeah, and like the fact that this kid has got you know a total aversion to Christmas, so they where do, where does where does the, you know why. the nice nun thinks you know it's a good idea to get him a job inside a Christmas inside a, a toy store, and well, you know therapeutical. 
Yeah, then and maybe then, that's what they're going for. Face your and fears. Then they, yeah, and then they make him dress up as Santa. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Therapeutical. I, 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 wrote, I, I wrote down he has PTSD, post-traumatic Santa disorder. <laughs> <laughs> well, and of course you had this element roll through a lot of these movies where there's something that traumatic happens to the kid related to Christmas. And I don't know if you guys have seen Christmas Evil from around the same time, which I'm I'm also a fan of. Uh, have you guys seen that one? I know, Bill, you have. Yep. Yeah, a long time ago. And it's also yeah. called, I think that one also has the, the title of Better Watch Out. Like it had to, um, that, it, that one, it features a very, it's a very strange movie. It's very different than this one. But in that one, I think he witnesses his mom sort of uh, Santa, Santa dad, Santa is sort of getting frisky with mom. And that's what kind of sets him off. I'm thinking he's got nothing compared to this kid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I think I do remember that one. Yeah, Jeffrey, um, Jeffrey Munn, yeah, Jeffrey Jeff Munn and Brandon Maggard. Yeah. It's it's actually really good, Peter. I think it's a, it's more of a character study, a weird, twisted character study, than it is a really a horror film because this guy embraces the Santa. He wants to actually like be Santa. I don't know if that's anything hmm. to do with seeing mom, but there is, there, there is one thing I, I was going to say. There is one <laughs> one thing I noticed on this film and. At the beginning, when Santa is uh, getting into the robbery and there's the uh, assault at the beginning, Santa is one hell of a shot because he always shoots—he yes. shoots bang on in the middle of the forehead. Uh, the guy in the store, he not doesn't he shoots him once in the chest and then once in the head. Like, is this guy former Vietnam? Like, <laughs> God, he's a good shot. Well, he's like he Chuck works one—he yeah. works one night a year, so he has a lot of time to practice. <laughs> right. This goes back to that. New Mel Gibson movie where he's Santa Claus or whatever. Yeah. Um, my, my my favorite line in the whole movie is when it's when the last person is out and they're gonna have the party. And uh Britt uh what's his name? Britt um Britt Leach, he goes, It's seven o'clock, it's over, time to get shit faced. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Throws his hand in the air and he has the bottle of whiskey and off he goes. You get the feeling he does that every day, and just once in a while it takes. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes like, people go for it. And there's a, that great moment as well, where you got this this psychotic Santa who has just cut little Billy's mother's throat, and he's looking for him, and you can hear him going this, and he's in full Santa regalia, which is which is really unsettling. <laughs> and he's there it going, is. "Where are you, you little bastard?" And he's sort of hunting for him with this bloody flick knife. It's just so dark um and it's just it's a lot of fun but equally you know you've got some in terms of like the the body count in this you get one incredible decapitation scene um oh with the yeah kids that's, the, a, that, that's a fun one you know that coming down on the sled and he, he just smashes him with the axe and then you get uh, Leanna, yeah see that yeah. <laughs> yeah okay so that popped back yeah, and then you get Leanna Quigley's death, um, which is sort of, you know, it kind of give, was a bit of a nod for me to, like, um, to Salem's Lot, uh, yeah, where, yeah. you know, Santa's picked it up and, like, puts it on, you know, and then puts it on the, the deer um, horns. So oh, Shit, yes. See, it's coming back now. Or, this or, is one of those... or I was going to say, uh, did the Lost Boys kind of take a nod from that in their final scene? Uh, yeah, I probably, think there's definitely... Probably. It definitely has that sort of vibe to it. That is that sort of, it's, 
yeah and like one of the other bits that i love actually just after that you know billy has been in there and he's he's killed liana quigley and her boyfriend um the little the sister appears and asks uh and she goes santa and he sort of looks at her and you think oh god no he can't kill the child he's gonna kill the child and the child he's got a stanley knife in his pocket He's got one of these little, like, razor blade sort of knives. And, like, he asks her, have you been good or have you been bad? And the little girl says, I've been good. So the present that Santa gives her is the Stanley, the bloody Stanley knife. <laughs> Here, evidence. Yeah. <laughs> but this, oh, film has all, this film has all your 80s tropes. Like, it's got the pervy kid, right, looking oh. through the thing. You know, boobs are bad. That's what, you know. You've got a love making. You've got a love a love making scene on top of a pool table. Like well, what? Look 80s... at Bill's background. We can't trust Bill. Hypocrite. <laughs> 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 and then and then I wrote down: Do many women open the door on a freezing cold night looking for their cat topless? Like is, is... well, I I have seen other movies where they do so probably. <laughs> But those are also in the 80s, so who knows? Exactly. I mean, I often open my door topless uh, looking for a cat. Yeah. Uh, the problem with that is I don't own a cat. Yeah. I mean, Robert Brian Wilson as as the killer is really good in this. He is really, really good. And he is, um, I mean, he, he's quite an interesting actor himself. I mean, he, he's, you know, he's a, he's a job in working actor um, and he's been in everything. But as Billy, he's absolutely superb. And I think he's out of sort of all of the, you know, the famous 80s slashes. I think, you know, he kind of gets overlooked. Um, you know, he's don't get me wrong. He's not a Jason. He's not a Michael. He's not a Freddy. But he's, you know, he's a he's a good he's a good, good slasher villain. And uh, I, yeah, I really like this film a lot. Yeah, you get the idea they were trying to go more of a psychological angle here, you know, like. The, the, the template's probably closer to, I don't want to build this up or suggest it's similar, but they're probably, the template is more like Psycho than, you know, those movies, which were all coming, they were all kind of coming up at the same time, you know. That's the interesting thing about this movie is they try to build, a, like, a to a certain degree, a reasonably damaged character that you can sort of psychologically understand a little bit. I don't know if they're 100% successful, but that's the thing that I kind of saw the movie and realized, okay, this isn't just you know, kill, rinse, repeat. They're trying to build this character into something a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it, if you haven't seen it, I think people just need need uh, need to go and see it, you know, rent it, find it, because it's definitely, definitely worth it. And I think it is streaming right now on Amazon, I believe. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> is it, you know, is it Black Christmas? No, not quite. Um, but oh, it's definitely it's definitely worth a watch. It's definitely worth a watch. Yeah. So Silent Night, Deadly Night from '84. Did anyone here see the the? I, I wouldn't exactly say it's a remake, but I guess that was the intention. The film they made, I want to say in 2011 or 2012. Uh, Santa was definitely more of a crack <laughs> shot in that one. He had a flamethrower as well. <laughs> and it's a, okay. a little more of an almost action thriller movie. Um, he kind of ends up attacking a police station. Malcolm McDowell's in it, and it's a uh, it's an interesting movie in its own right. I don't think it's as interesting as this movie, but it's uh it's out there. I was just gonna say this is a tri-star. This is a tri-star picture, which means it had a decent uh, studio behind it. Yeah, yeah. But, okay. 
Yeah. The, okay. Yeah, the first one did. I think. Well, I think that's what brought the. Uh, that was what drew attention to it was that someone uh-huh. had actually picked it up and released. You know, the, the studio had picked it up and released it. So. And and it is one of those movies that from the eighties, like going back and watching it, like you said, Hugh, it is still. Well, a lot of those movies I saw when I was younger. I have I I rewatch them. And I'm like, oh, this isn't as violent or as mean or as nasty as I remember to be. But nope, it still pretty much is. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it it still sort of you know I mean I think I was. 14 the first time i saw it and i saw it again sort of you know a couple of years ago but you you go back and you sort of revisit it and it is you know it's still very very much um it's still it can still can shock yeah, it can still, still can shock yeah and if you you know if you're one of these people who dip just dips into horror every now and again it's definitely you know i don't think you know you're gonna it's gonna away it's, from this one yeah maybe maybe um but you know, it's if definitely you want to traumatize full everybody. blood yes. slasher. It's not, it's not jumping too much ahead of that, but it is a solid example of that kind of. No, movie. It, it's the kind of movie that if you like something like Slumber Party Massacre, this is kind of of that ilk. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. It's more that than say Halloween. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah definitely. Yeah. Okay. So Silent Night, Deadly Night, and then Bill, we'll move on to you with your movie. Okay, so for my movie, I wanted to try to dig a little deep and see what was out there. I go to Tubi, I go to Prime, I go to Netflix, I kind of type in Christmas Horror, see what comes up. And on Prime, one came up from 2017 that I thought I'd seen a whole slew of them, but I hadn't caught this one before at all. And it had an interesting looking cover, which, as we all know, an interesting cover does not mean it for a good movie. (laughs) Uh, What? And I came across... Yeah, I mean, and all you have to do is look at Roger Corman films, and you know. Well, so, go back to your childhood and watch the covers of any VHS tape. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> yeah. So I came across 2017's Mercy Christmas, available on Prime, at least here in Canada, probably everywhere. Uh, and I'll and go Tubi for the IMD. Well. Oh, is it Tubi as yeah. well? Okay. Uh, on uh, IMDb, it says. When Michael Brisket meets the perfect woman, his ideal Christmas dream comes true when she invites him to her family's holiday celebration. Dream shattered, Michael struggles to survive once he realizes he will be the Christmas dinner. Wah, 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 wah. Okay, so the, the little write-up got me, and I'm like, I know this is going to be lower budget. I know it's got a cheese factor, but sometimes those quirky films don't turn out too badly. It's directed by Ryan Nielsen, where this was his first feature-length film. Uh, it has an, a cast that you might not know everybody to look at, but when you look at their uh, curriculum vitae, they've got quite a bit behind them. It stars David Ruprecht, who was the radio voice in Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. Uh, uh, he was in Three's Company, Punky Brewster, and Days of Our Lives. It has Cole Gleason, who was in the, the, the book club, and Casey O'Keefe, who was in episodes of Two Broke Girls, The Young and the Restless, and Jimmy Kimmel Live. And Gwen Van Dam, who was in Star Trek Generations. And the, the 70s movie Coming Home, which was a pretty damn good film. And Days of Our Lives. And here's how I kind of uh, get the movie going. A lowly guy, Abe. He's got an underwhelming office job. He's kind of the butt of jokes in the office. He doesn't have a lot of self-esteem. He's kind of looking forward to the holidays. Uh, He's unmarried. He lives with his mom. He has an office Christmas party where he sends out invites to everybody and nobody shows up. He's sitting there drinking eggnog by himself, watching something on TV or got the record player going or something. And nobody shows up until he gets a ring on the doorbell. And it's this woman, Cindy. Uh, 
And they seem to hit it off. They're having eggnog. They're probably getting a little tipsy, whatever. And they get on so well that she says that she has a Christmas gathering with her family the next day. And she invites him to come. And him being kind of the meek, not so handsome guy in his opinion, he's kind of hesitant. But she kind of lures him. She's a fairly attractive woman. Says, come back to the party. Meet the family. I need a buffer between my family and myself. Come on over. So he does. And he's really looking forward to it because he really doesn't have a lot going for him on that day. Usually Christmas is pretty much a write-off for him. So he goes there. They have dinner. The dad hosts to the home cooking that they're all eating. Uh, Abe eats uh, eggnog that he loves. And then he passes out. And when he wakes up, he's tied with other people down in the basement of this house who are in the exact same predicament that he's in. You can probably kind of figure out what's going to happen from there. It becomes a survival type film, but a little more lighthearted. You're not going to get saw. You're not going to get hostile. It's got lots of comedy to it. And you get to know the characters that are down there tied up with him, as well as you kind of understand the inner workings of Abe and the the other family members. Uh, there's What I like about it is there's lots of dark humor. Uh, there's an ongoing joke about the dad talking about basketball stats while he's carving up bodies because guess what? They're cannibals and that's what they've been eating. Um, he, he makes jokes about uh, there's a human recipe cookbook. Uh, you have to, and, and at one point they chop off a guy's lower leg and they cauterize it with a, uh, an iron. And that's what they use. Like, it, it's totally funny. Uh, there's some elements of torture porn. Um, there's some decent gore and some decent kills. It is lower budget and it suffers a bit from that. But then I also think the lower budget kind of gives it a bit of charm. And what I, the other thing I like about it is all the family members are kind of quirky, you know, like none of them is just a straight ahead, you know, uh, piece of work that is out here for, cause he's a mean, I mean, they are meanies, but they're all kind of got a bit of personality to them as well. So it, in, in essence, it becomes a survival film of the bizarre. You know, will Abe survive? Will the family survive each other? Uh, there is an escape attempt involving someone who's lost the lower half of their legs. That's absolutely hilarious. Uh, there's over-the-top silliness. Uh, it's it, it's not a great film, but it's an enjoyable, quirky film. Somewhere between a 6 to a 7 out of 10. And, I mean, if you have a couple adult beverages or your favorite libation and you watch this, you might enjoy it even more. So I would say go out and watch this because why the heck not? It's the holidays. It helps if I unmute myself there. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? What was that? Mercy? Mercy Christmas 2017. Mercy Christmas. Okay. And there is there is a, a fight at the end. I'm not going to give away what happened, but there's a nice boob grab <laughs> in the fight. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, uh, yeah. Sold. Okay. Sold. <laughs> Bill's got to, yeah, get that <laughs> Um, have either one of you guys, Hugh or Peter, have you seen this? I guess, uh, Peter, you haven't seen it. Have you seen no, it? No, no, no. I actually started watching it. Um, however, I got to be honest with you, I was absolutely exhausted last night. So I kind of like, I got through the first like 15, 20 minutes and then I was just out. So I could definitely, definitely going to be going back and rewatching this <laughs> because actually it's, it, what I love about this is you can clearly see it's quite, it's quite a low budget, you know, it is a low budget film, but there is a definite charm to it. The cast are very good. I really, really like um, David Ruprecht. I think he's, a, I think he, you know, there is something about 
his character that you know he's such a loser he is such a loser in this but you just root for him um so yeah i i i do need to go back and finish watching it but i really really enjoyed um what i saw you know uh, up to that point and it's got you know like i said it's it's got the makings and the potential to be you know one of those sort of like maybe not an outright classic but you know like 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 bill said maybe a few drinks um some friends around and you can kind of just sort of kick back and just just enjoy it i said like you should with these movies yeah it's it's exactly that kind of movie where you uh you don't want to take too seriously however i will say and i saw it I watched it earlier or the end of last week, and then I actually kind of went back and, and watched the second half of it. Not because I didn't see it all, but uh, Hugh, I found myself in a situation too. I'm watching movies and I'm just about ready to pass out. And yeah. the second, the last third of it, I thought, you know, I kind of owe it to go back and watch it. And the budget is very low, like everyone has said, but you kind of get drawn into it. You're looking at it. You know, a lot of times you'll turn these movies on, particularly if you're just kind of going through Prime, and you'll see the quality of the camera work and like, okay. Anyone pick, can pick up a camera and make a movie, but uh, is this going to hold my interest? And you realize pretty quickly that there is some talent here, that these are people who know how to put together a movie, that these are actors. that kind of, and, and the script is – it's got some flaws in it as it goes along, but you can see that structurally they have a story here. And Stephen uh, Hubble, who plays Michael Brisket, you know, that that's not a very subtle name. You know, the, <laughs> the boss keeps saying, I love that name. And then you kind of – you I get the idea Brisket. why. Yes, exactly. And uh, so it's uh, but he he captures that hapless want to want to do what I can, but I'm always going to be run down office drone. And I think that that tone carries through the movie. You know, the the setting of him being this this uh, guy in an office who's always kind of the doormat and the boss is just always going to dump stuff on top of him. You know, I think all of us have maybe been in that situation at some point or another where we're just like, really, you know, it's the holidays and you're sort of, you know. Uh, what can I do to get out of this? And they keep that theme running throughout the movie. Uh, there's a, I don't want to get too much into it, but there's a point when he had to have him wrapped in Christmas lights. And it's not bad enough you're going to be dinner, but you still got to finish the office reports and you're going to get zapped <laughs> if you don't. And that bah humbug theme. And the thing that's interesting about what happens here is this is not Texas Chainsaw. And Bill, said, Bill points out there is violence. But it is not handled in a torture. It does get gross sometimes. They try to really show you some shots of meat that you're like, oh, I could do without that. But it's juxtaposed about the fact that this family is going about their every day rituals and their complaints and their fighting over why did you bring your girlfriend here? And really, uh, you're going to bring someone into the family and and grandma wants to go to church. So everybody's got to go up and go to church, you know. It, it almost reminds me of that movie Junebug from a few years back that was all about sort of family dysfunction. And that's it just so happens that they also eat people and there's three people trying to escape in the basement. So <laughs> while you have this sort of issue of family uh, family fights and stuff like that, uh, these people are just happening while they're talking and having these conversations. They're also slicing up a buttocks for dinner. You know, so it's, it's one of those movies. And Bill is right. You get to the second half of this. And there is a scene that starts to push into the kind of like, not in the way it's shot, but it gets into that almost like Sam Raimi or, you know, you're like, wow, this is, you're watching this and you're just, this is completely ludicrous. This is like, you know, <laughs> Lampoon's Christmas Vacation meets, but I, I enjoyed it a lot. I would go with, I would Bill, I'd say it's about, for me, it's probably about a seven and it could probably be a little higher. It, again, is it a full-blown Christmas classic? No, but I could definitely see myself watching this again next year. And it, you kind of do get into it. And they do a lot with very little in terms of, of the budget. 
Nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was going to say, if nobody's seen it, I mean, it's not going to be on anybody's list. And if you don't happen to fall upon it, you're not going to know it. Check it out on Prime or Tubi. It's, it's worth a watch. Trust me, it's worth it. Yeah, amidst a lot of the, particularly, there's a lot of Christmas horror that's been made in the last few years. And some of it's decent and some of it's not so decent. And this one, I feel like I haven't heard many people talk about. So I think it's easy to get lost. The Again, the poster art looks a little nondescript. It looks low budget, but it is, it's worth seeing. I mean, it's either that or one of the the usual uh, run-of-the-mill lifetime Christmas movies that you've seen five oh, one of the, One of those, those those Hallmark, oh, I've lost my long-lost exactly. boyfriend. Yeah. Christmas yeah. Shoes, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which what I appreciate about this movie is if it's lampooning anything, it's lampooning that that feeling of entitlement. You know, these people are concerned about, oh, I, I need to do this and I can't get ahead in this. And meanwhile, they're eating people, you know, like people locked up in the basement. and They're complaining about all their issues and how can they have a nice Christmas? And it's like it's like the, that song, the Christmas shoes song. Wait, so God gave this little kid's mom cancer so I could feel better about Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> I mean, I think one of the things as well, I think was there is a lot of, you know, when you look at sort of uh, the lower budget end uh, of horror, I think one of the key things that are really, really missing these days is the cover art. You know, you go back to the you, you go back to those heady, heady, wonderful days where you're in the video store and you're wandering yeah. around. And, you know, we did a we did an entire we, episode on, yeah, on, on, vid, did. <laughs> on VHS covers. That's um, awesome. But you, you, you sort of see those. You see, you know, when you look at Cellar Dweller, right? Yeah. Look at Cellar Dweller. <sighs> it's it's not it was a great, mentioned, I think. Yes, it was. It's not a great, great film. It's entertaining. And I love it. But the we, cover we're art still that, covering it, aren't we? I think we talked about covering it. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely. It's on the definitely. list. Um, Have me on. I love Cellar Dweller. <laughs> <laughs> but the cover art for that is yeah. incredible. And like we were talking about like the Eliminators before we before we started, you know, that poster art for the Eliminators is like every 10 year old boy's dream. You've got a cyborg. You've got a ninja. You've got somebody looking kind of like a cowboy. In some yeah, kind of yeah, post human tank. Yes, it's like some kind of post-apocalyptic heaven. But because like now everybody's as you know, no, we people have moved away from the, the the sort of the hand-drawn art of things, and it's the nondescript images of the cast or yeah. some kind of clip art image. People, it, it, nothing sort of. There's no USP for it. There's no unique selling point. There's nothing that stands st- sticks out. And unfortunately, films like this kind of get lost in the shuffle. They do get lost, and, and, and it's a shame because they've all got something to offer. Uh, there's still yeah. stuff like that now out on Amazon. They'll get you with, like, oh, you're right. If you hire, like, one fine artist or illustrator and, you know, this could be your thing. Just go around yeah. offering to make posters because yeah. uh, you could you could do a fine one for this. And like, I, mean, I remember the uh, – well, Empire, you mentioned, like, Eliminators and Cellar Dweller. Empire had that whole thing where they would make the poster first, and sometimes there would only ever be a poster. <laughs> there yeah. are posters yep. for Empire movies that never ever got made. <laughs> yeah, well, Golden Globus, you know, Mike, they would go and find out. They they essentially like create a poster with Chuck Norris or Charles Bronson, go to Cannes, and then make American Ninja Five. 
yes. from the money that they raised from it. Uh, you know, and I mean, like, if you think about, like, films like Jack Frost, look at the cover for Jack Frost. It's phenomenal. It is superb. That's the holographic one, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, teeth come out. Well, the, I, I was thinking the other day, the poster, like, from beyond is freaking amazing. Oh, God, <laughs> yes. Yeah, and this is a chance, uh, Nathan, for me to bring up the saga of the Viking women and their voyage to the waters of the Great Sea Serpent. Did you look that up or you remember it from memory? No, I looked it up. There's okay. no way I remember that. The worst part is I recognized that title. <laughs> we reviewed that early. We do, uh, yeah, that we was do the Tubi first Roulette one, sometimes. That was the first one on our relaunch that we did. And the, the movie, it's an Irving Roger Corman film. It's but terrible. The, 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 poster, the poster is awesome. You'd love to have that framed in your basement, you know? You know, yeah, and I, th- you know, there is something about that, and you marry that together with like with, you know, people sort of say B movie as if it, the film is going to be a bad film. It's not going to be a bad film, but you marry it together with a great with great cover art, and you're onto a week. Warbus. Half, oh. <laughs> Warbus is one. It is an amazing poster. <laughs> Warbus. When is is Where's that movie from? I don't think I've seen War Bus. Oh, you must seek it out. It's on YouTube. It's a kind of a nam exploitation uh, war movie. And is it an War's... old one? Like it's a uh, it's legitimately from the time period. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good, good. Okay, yeah, because I'm not as much a fan of the let's make it like it was 19. No, 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 no. Because no, no, they fall flat. Those yeah, are, those are not good. The the real ones. I said in quotation. <laughs> yeah. For me, I think House of the Devil was the only one that to me worked kind of the yeah, way yeah, it was supposed to. They, yeah. they managed to capture it, but uh, you should go back to the, the old ones. And I mean, the poster is done by uh, Enzo Schiotti, the, the Italian artist who, who did a shit ton of posters. Yes. But uh, yeah, go watch the movie. It is. Uh, and you know what had a great poster? Dreamscape from like 1984, yeah. 85. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a. I always remember seeing that, and then that movie was, you know, that that's a movie that almost lived up to the poster. It had so many things going on. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I always I, I always remember the poster for Doctor Butcher, M.D., A.K.A. Zombie Holocaust. <laughs> oh, yep. I love what that. A great one of my poster. all-time favorites. This is I barely Christmas episode, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. How about Slaughterhouse? And I don't mean Slaughterhouse Five, but the the yeah. I don't know if I've even seen the movie. I just remember the poster, and of course those posters also ended up in the newspaper. You know, in those little uh the you'd have the printouts ads there, and it was just the big beefy guy with the big like uh, butchers. You know, he had hogs feet hanging off the side and just oh big yes 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 yes, yes I remember yeah, that I now. I've yeah. never yeah. seen that movie. I'm pretty certain, insane. but I remember that poster like nobody's business. Or the gate, the poster for oh. the gate. Yes. Yes. Or, or the other one, the other Canadian film, The Pit. Have you seen The Pit? <laughs> Ooh, nice. <laughs> That's a deep dive. That is a crazy movie. Um, it is. But <laughs> going back so to Christmas. Christmas yeah, Christmas. So Christmas I mean, yeah. Cover off of Black Christmas though is amazing. Is yeah. just phenomenal. And I think, like, like going back to the original point. Sorry to take us off that tangent. I was fine. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. I was. It's on the tip of my tongue. Don't mention Cobra Mission. Don't mention Cobra Mission. Don't mention. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Damn it. Um, but like, you know, the the cover off of Black Christmas is just stunning. It's absolutely stunning. And I think if just films like like this, if they just had that little bit of that 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 sort of, 
you know, think what they could do with some hand drawn, you know, mercy, you know, mercy Christmas. That cover up would be fun. It would just enhance it. It would just yeah. give make it stand out. And you know, we're I, in the, I, we're in the yeah. middle of a pandemic. People are in a lockdown. Get to work. Absolutely. Yeah. And I will say this, though, at least for Mercy Christmas, the picture, the image is on IMDb is very nondescript and it is what it is. It's probably just a promotional image. But the actual like picture that shows up when you look it up on like uh, Amazon or uh, uh, Tubi, it show, it's like a Christmas box under the tree with feet sticking out of it. So it's not too bad. It's not <laughs> it's not illustrated, but it's not as bad as some of these. Most of them just have a deranged Santa, you know, on the front that's been photoshopped yeah. or Krampus or something. And you're like, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Mercy Christmas, and that's another one that, yeah, I mean, that's two for two in terms of, uh, and that was one that Bill, you just kind of took a chance on, right? You I took a, a, a complete random chance on this one, and turned out, you know, I was talking with Doctor uh, Shock Dave Becker the other day, and I said, if I can get twenty five percent of all the crap shoots turn out, then it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's better than we normally did. <laughs> we were letting them. It's a little bit better. So I, I uh, I'll do my movie now, and I tried to pick something that would fell within, kind of within the range of science fiction. I was trying to think of a Christmas movie, and I only kept coming up with a Brazil, but I felt I could talk about two hours about Brazil, so I decided <laughs> we'd we'd save that one. And uh, the movie, I, I found a movie that I had not previously seen. And I don't know if anybody here, I know, Bill, I know you've seen it. It's yeah. called Await Further Instructions. Oh, I have yes. no idea what that is. I have seen, that. seen it, Hugh? Yes, I have. Yeah. Uh, I have. Johnny Kevorkian is the director. It came out uh, in 2017, 2018, I think. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. not very old. It's on Netflix right now. I, it's, it's several places you can rent it, but I believe it is on Netflix streaming. At least it's on Netflix streaming here. Yeah. And it's another movie that has that element kind of like Mercy Christmas where it, it taps into that, that frustration you have if you've ever been in a family gathering and it feels like you just can't escape. And you can't get away, and it's well, suffocating oh, you a little bit. No, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not sure my wife's going to listen to this anyway. But I know nobody listens to anything I do that I'm related to. So I'm just kidding. But this, or am I? <laughs> leave it out there. Uh, the, the disclaimer: Peter's not serious. Well, Peter's, Peter's cousin Anders is not happy right now. <laughs> right. No, but I mean, we we've all been to these Christmas gatherings, uh, mostly the work Christmas gatherings, where you don't really want to be there, but you yeah. have to show up, and you kind of have to be nice to everyone. Then I love what is. I mean, both you know, Bill and I, we we're both teachers, um, and there is nothing quite like the excruciated agony i don't know if they do this with you bill is it's the end of term you've you sort of dragged your way through your last couple lessons in the build-up before christmas because schools are hell around christmas time and then you get everybody they get all the staff together and they make us come into the staff room and you know sometimes they're saying goodbye to somebody who's leaving you know lucky bastards are getting to escape and go somewhere else and then they, they, they there's some like cheap mince pies and some cheap cheap sparkling something or other and then everybody sat there going just just, just let the head teacher finish speaking and then we can we can all run for the door 
at <laughs> the same time. And it, and it, it, I think awaiting further instructions is, is like the Black Mirror equivalent of that. Yes, and except it takes place in the home, so yeah. it's even more. It's not even the uh, no escape, right? No. Right, there's a no escape, and these are people that you've had beef with for like thirty years. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. You, there's there's myriads of disappointment mounted up generations of of bitterness and uh, despondency, and the the story it takes place on Christmas Day, and it involves. Uh, Sam Gittins plays Nick. He's coming home for Christmas after a long time being away, and there he's he talks once in a while to his family, but for the most part, there's not a lot of connection, and he's very much estranged from his father. When he comes to Christmas, uh, he's coming home, and it's not just his dad's there, his sister and her husband, or, or uh, I don't know if it's fiance or boyfriend are there, and he is bringing uh, his girlfriend, uh, Angie, who is Indian girlfriend i mentioned that because when they get there his grandfather who's played by david bradley uh who's just you know as snarly and as persnickety as you expect david bradley to be you know david bradley kind of has his two settings he's either the groundskeeper from harry potter or or he's or he's a little more distinguished and he's playing you know um uh doctor who you know and uh, and the original actor who played uh, doctor who but you know otherwise you've got him here he's just sitting in a in a chair snarling so many uh mean vile things under his breath at such a clip that i had to put the subtitles on to hear them and <laughs> and he's just running people down i'm like he didn't really say that but no he totally did he runs his his son down and then his son's son and he's just a he's just spewing all kinds of noxious uh also a lot of xenophobic rhetoric so that's when you know the fact that uh angie's there and she's listening to him talk about foreigners and how much he dislikes them and things like that and grant masters is his son who sort of views himself as the man of the house here. And he is very much man of house in an overbearing, got something to prove probably because of his toxic father. <laughs> uh, that that's, that's kind of, it's, it's a landslide, right? It's just going all the way down. And so it is a, and the mother of course is there and she just wants everything to be uh, smoothed over. And, uh, and near, near Janalik is Anji who she's trying to, you know, she realizes that this is a difficult thing. For Nick, and so she's trying to be supportive of him, but she's also not afraid to speak out when they just start saying horrible things, and that happens pretty quickly. And everyone starts butting heads, and then suddenly, you start to the TV is kind of constantly on, and then we start to see that there are these reports of things happening. Uh, oh, the, that's happening right down the street, and was something bombed? What happened? Is there a terrorist attack? And at some point, the screen just goes black, and you basically have almost like a text graphic just pop on the screen and say, "Hey, something's happening." Stay in your homes. Await further instructions. And there's no voice. There's nothing. This just pops up on the screen. And they realize very quickly that, hey, they're actually locked inside of the house. And they're not getting any information. All the information is being con controlled through what the TV is telling them. And as you pointed out, Hugh, it has a very Black Mirror sort of feel. It starts to have a very, like, Twilight Zone kind of feel. And the TV starts telling them other things, you know, uh, Beware of in of you know, people who have infiltrated. You get the idea that maybe this could be a terrorist attack. They have no idea what's going on. They can't even see outside to figure that out. And as the as the day continues, stranger things keep happening. You know, uh, a package of needles, hypodermic needles, falls down the chimney, and you have instructions that say everyone needs a vaccination. The air outside is toxic. And so this 
you see things being discord being sewn you have a lot of device in this and you start to realize that the television in a sense is doing some of this and there's a question of what is actually happening outside why can't we get out and what's the extent of that and the the festering ball of of human relations inside just goes crazy like you would expect it to and i you know i actually got drawn into this pretty quickly it was very uncomfortable in the beginning because not all of my family members are like this, but there is a certain contingent of family members that I think you can see a little bit of your own in, you know, those kind where you just feel like you're suffocating. You can't breathe enough air in because of the tension that's surrounding you. And so if you've ever experienced anything like that, you kind of feel that up front. And then this uh, I don't think it's really a spoiler to say it starts to get kind of sci fi. Things that aren't explainable begin to happen uh, there. You know, there's a point when Nick manages to to be able to peer outside enough to see that there are weird snaky things moving around outside. And as the movie continues, you know, it gets very tense. It gets very, uh, very labyrinthian in what is happening. It doesn't quite go the way of a cube or something like that, where there's this great mystery at the center of it, but I think it keeps escalating. I was consistently drawn in by it. I don't, I don't think it's a complete home run because to me, it kind of feels like a movie that ends not quite in the middle, but it doesn't quite where it was going and all of the things it was laying on the table. I'm not sure it, it eventually the resolution to me wasn't as satisfying as as the momentum of the movie itself. So I but I do think it's very much worth seeing. I give it about a seven. The things it has to say about how we take in information and how much media do we actually you know, that's a pretty easy thing to say. But in some ways, this movie released a couple of years ago is more relevant than ever because of that quarantine element and that question of how much are we going to believe and and can we trust the things we've always trusted to and then how sturdy were those things you know there's a lot going on here that you can examine and how this family relates and what works and what doesn't work that I kind of found fascinating and I don't know if I would have found it as interesting you know just one year earlier well just the fact that you have a, an uncomfortable dysfunctional family situation that was enough for me yeah then you throw in like weird snaky things and and yeah so i am intrigued yeah this has got a yeah sorry bill go on no, 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 bill. No, go, uh, go ahead this is this it definitely i remember i watched this uh i think last year um and it has this definite sort of black mirror um sort of eldridge horror feel to it and there's some, some really cool body horror moments in it. Uh, it's quite Lovecraftian in a number of ways uh, mm. with all the tentacle stuff. Um, it is you know, David Bradley in this is superb. He is absolutely vile. He is nice. vile. He is evil. Um, if misanthropy was a person, it would be him. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> there would be a picture of him in the dictionary giving you the middle finger um <laughs> he is um yeah he's, he's and what's, what's what's great is when you see david bradley being uh, interviewed afterwards uh or uh, with anything or you see him he's such a gentleman and he's so gentle and he's so well spoken and so kind um and then to see him in these role in this role um it, it it's great it is really really good and i think um at times I think, like like you said, uh, Nathan, I think this this sort of like this one reaches this swings big. It swings big for a lot of things, and it doesn't quite connect um, 
for a, on a couple on a couple of moments. It doesn't quite connect, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I like this, and one of the reasons I did is it was kind of one of those crossover films where it's got a bit of horror, it's got a bit of sci-fi, and towards the last twenty minutes, I said to Nathan, it kind of goes fantasy. So it kind of crosses two to three genres. It's kind of got that invasion of the body snatchers, you know, how it kind of crosses over. It does that. And talking about uh, David Bradley, there was one of what I felt an unneeded old man butt shot washing himself. <laughs> I, I really saw more. I saw more of him than I really needed. <laughs> Followed by the line, I can wash my own balls, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, the other thing that nobody's brought up that I really, at least I found good is I thought that the uh, soundtrack was really strong. I thought that not even necessarily the soundtrack, the score was really strong and it kind of added to the atmosphere and the creepiness. Cause you know, you're really, you kind of have an idea. Those of us that have seen enough of these kind of know where it's going, but the xenophobic aspect, uh, the fact that, you know, the, we're going through quarantine and the world has gone to crap and things are going all over the place. It really gave it that extra bit. So I agree with Nathan. A year or two after it first came out when I saw it, because I saw this a couple of years ago, uh, it really did add to it. But at the end of the day, I had all kinds of questions, because I'm not going to give away the last bit. But you did swing big, and you might not have connected on all of them. Like, is this film anti-technology? Uh, is it about spending more time with family? Is I don't it think it's that. Is, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it a statement on the treatment of minorities slash refugees? Is it a, re, a religious statement about honoring false gods? Is it about consumerism? Is it about too much belief in a centralized government? Is it a questioning of the medical system? Like, I don't know what the main, at the end of the day, what the main thrust of the film was. But just go on for the ride and enjoy it. And you get what you get and watch it with the lights out in the dark and you're going to enjoy yourself. David Bradley for Pete's sake. Yeah. Yep. I mean, after like about five minutes with this family, I had to happily go on and hung out with the cannibals. Over <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might lose a leg, but you know, my peace of mind, Sure, they were the cheerful for do. the most part. <laughs> yeah. The lens you go to, to get out of a family Christmas dinner. I like that you mentioned kind of the, the eldritch horror vibe to it that I think that is very much there. And, and without giving anything away, kind of what Bill said, like having all those questions at the end, I think maybe one of the potential weaknesses here in the swinging for the fence is that it's always difficult when you try to sort of have a metaphor or an allegory at the heart of your story. And I think that kind of is when you get about halfway through this, you kind of understand, okay, is this a little more metaphorical or allegorical, you know, and I think there's a level where they're just going to go with that. Right. And so if you're someone who's really looking for some kind of obvious explanation, you know, where I need to have everything explained and, and I personally don't think a movie like this needs that you might be a little bit disappointed, but I thought that last few shots of this, of this movie were kind of haunting actually, you know, they did stick with me. And it's mm. got one of the best header scenes coming off of a staircase. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Yes. Yeah. What? Okay, I'll, someone, I'll just watch it. <laughs> someone takes a fall, then you go, you can feel it in your lower back when this person falls. Okay. Yeah. It's a good one. Another 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 good one. Nice. So and then we've got we'll round this out, uh, this part with the with the four movies, with Peter's movie. So Peter, why don't you take it away? I think you you definitely uh 
you definitely went unique. And and give us the backstories to how you found this film. Oh, I've known about this for uh, for well since it came out, I think. Uh, and I I was kind of thinking, you know, where where to go? Finding like like Bill trying to find something out of the ordinary, and it just out of the blue. I thought, you know what? It may be a short movie, but that's unique too. But the Lobo paramilitary Christmas special from 2002. <laughs> and uh, I mean, have, yeah, has, has any of you read the comic, uh, the Lobo paramilitary Christmas special? I no, realized. I have... Oh, go ahead. I have. I've read a couple of the Lobo, and I've got. I, I own a few of. Uh of his books but uh, of the comic books but no i haven't read that i've seen the show but i haven't seen the, the, the read the comics yeah it is it is uh, uh the the short movie is brutal but you don't really see a lot of it you do in the comic though yeah the, i realized watching this because you're right it's a short it's on youtube i realized about uh three or four minutes in i was like wait i i remember this is the comic and because it was like the mid, uh, the early to mid '90s when it came out, and I remember yeah. having it, and it was one of those comics that I kept at the very bottom. All the Lobo comics <laughs> remained at the bottom of my comic pile because it was, you know, the Tales from the Crypt was even a few, few comics up from from Lobo. Lobo what? was at the bottom, and Sandman was a couple issues above that. But yeah, what? Lobo is is, uh, and I run. I think Simon Bisley drew the. Uh, the Lobo Paramilitary Christmas Special. I, don't really, I haven't read it in a long time. But uh, the gist of it is that... Uh, the, and this is just... it is the, the plot is insane. But again, it's Lobo we're talking about here. Yeah. So. <laughs> and it's about 13 the, minutes long, right? Like something yeah, like yeah that. it's a short one. So, I mean, it's, it's basically a fan-slash-student movie, which is why they kind of got round of a lot of the, the copyright issues, I suppose. Because it's a student movie. Yeah. But uh, it's basically uh, the Easter Bunny is tired of being kind of second tier to Big Red. So he hires Lobo to uh, take out Santa. (laughs) And that's basically it. But uh, we're talking Lobo here. And Lobo is one of the most violent characters in the DC comic universe. Because he will... If he can reach down your throat, even though his arms are huge and rip out your entrails, he will. And he will do it just for fun. So, and I mean, I found this, I read a lot of Lobo back in the day. uh, uh, And I I don't know, seeing him, uh, I mean, the the, the version that, uh, what is his name? Andrew Brynjarski, who plays him, he looks like they picked him out of the, the comic. Yeah, at yeah. least this at least this version of of Lobo. He's had a lot of uh, different. Uh, he didn't look like this at, uh, uh, from the get go when he was in the Omega Man. He was, he looked more slick and more. He wasn't as bulky and bikerish looking. And he had a leotard on, as far as I remember. <laughs> His hair's a but, little uh, too permed, but otherwise he does look like he just stepped right out of of the comic book. Yeah. And uh, Andrew Bernarski, he actually played Leatherface in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, he did. A, a oh, he's actually been in a lot of cool stuff. He was a Zangief I mean. in the Street Fighter movie, the one with uh, <laughs> yeah. Van Damme. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And he was in, uh, let's see, what else? Hudson, Hudson Hawk was Hawk, one of his yeah. first. Yeah. He was a uh, uh, Batman Returns. 
He was probably the uh, thug in a lot of things. Yeah, well. I remember him in Firefly, too. I remember he had a very yep. uh, fitting yep. uh, exit in that episode of Firefly, yeah. probably the more memorable parts. But, yeah. Um, Sadly, he was in Rollerball, the new one that we don't really talk about. There's a new one, Peter? Well, the new no, one from like 18 not. years ago is what Peter means. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I think the same way. The new version. Yeah, you know, yeah. the one that came out in 98. Yeah. <laughs> the one we don't talk about. Right. The, the, but uh, the original Rollerball is good. But uh, yeah, he was in the in the remake. He's, he's got quite a, a list of, of credits here. Um, Cyborg, the recycler. Yes. yes. That's the third one. Yes. And and happily, I can say, or sadly, I don't know which, I have them all. So uh, <laughs> the first one's good. <laughs> I even have, I even have a somewhat soft spot for the second one that had Jack Palance and Angelina Jolie and um, yeah, she it. was she was uh, uh, unclad in it and she was uh, way 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 too young in that one. We're yeah, who else? Mention. Billy Drago. I mean, yep. maybe. For a for a direct to like video movie, it wasn't awful, but no, um, it was okay. But it, what did uh, what did everyone else think about um, the the Lobo Christmas special? I don't know, I all of only, it. The Lobo paramilitary Christmas special. There you go. <laughs> I think only Peter could have chosen this film. I think only Peter. I love. I got. I I I loved. I the fact that the Easter Bunny was such a dick. Um, <laughs> he I was. Just, you were the selfish prick. Yes, he, he was just yeah, um, and I think the casting for it, and, and given that it is such a such a small budget, um, it's it, it it's they do a phenomenal job, phenomenal yeah. job. I, I I I really enjoyed it. I, I really really enjoyed it. I, I laughed watching this. Like it was I, Peter. Thank God because I'd watched a whole whack in a row, and and Nathan goes, Bill, you're gonna like Peter's choice. It's ten minutes. All right. It's 10 minutes. <laughs> but but it was funny because I my wife had had our car and she was picking me up after school, so I had fifteen minutes to kill. I shouldn't probably say this, but I watched it on the school uh, a computer in my <laughs> office on the laptop. <laughs> so, I was watching this and I was laughing and giggling and I, you know, there's some great lines that I probably shouldn't say on the air because this is PG because I always respect the uh, PG logo. We can always, <laughs> we can always uh, bleep them out. <laughs> but but um, I, I love it. At one point he calls Santa has an attitude. He's killer Kringle. He's big bloody Nick. And he goes on and on and on. It's uh, and at the fact at the end that uh, he's given a snow globe by santa and then he just shoots him yeah yes. I, mean, I mean that's you know it, it, you couldn't get it any better and and then he kills the easter bunny like the irony of the whole thing you know i was gonna say he walks off like terminator and that's the end of the day you know yeah because because what what was i mean lobo being uh who he is a mercenary bounty hunter and everything but his his word was gold so if he took a job, he uh, finished it. Yeah. Unless, unless he killed Santa before un- he took out the guy who hired him to kill Santa. <laughs> yes, but Santa overbid Easter Bunny. So and Lobo often uh, doing his jobs. As if someone offered him more money to do something else, he would happily take that job too, because that's Lobo. So he kind of took them both up. Yeah. So, and and then just walks away. And I think but, one of the things that this did it, it captures. 
it does capture the comics very yes, very it well yeah it captures the feel for it and you know and the fact that everything <laughs> is a little bit in elves. yeah i was gonna say i was just coming to the elves <laughs> the fact that the you know ev- the elves are these goofy little sort of uh, will ferrell-esque elves they they're all a bit gnarly looking and it's all a bit industrial and grungy and they get slaughtered <laughs> yeah, really see anything uh, you see uh, just here chaos and yeah yeah and you hear and they show up see, with their arms missing <laughs> yeah the naughtiest one has come yeah but did you <laughs> no, not you see a little bit of in the background with the surveillance cameras you see yes, a little yes. bit of the mayhem where he bashes them against the walls and yeah it is <laughs> mayhem did you not, did you not get Bowl. the impression it was shot in like a high school gym or something it like probably it. was well and that's part of the charm well that's what i wanted to to say about it i think what's kind of genius this period of time in the early 2000s was when these people when people started to realize oh wait we can make fan films and slowly yeah. realize that some yeah. cases they could make them look very good and peter sent us a whole raft of them the other day <laughs> yeah, you know, this, this, after you realized oh wait jump. i've got a captive audience do, do, do. <laughs> just uh, but and i mean like, i mean dead end is a brilliant example. it's one of the, the batman dead end is a the Sandy Colorus, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a and you can see they, you know, they had a little bit of like money. They do the 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 makeup effects and the you know the costumes and everything. And it's like, but again, that's the benefit. It's going to be short, so I can put all of this. I only have to have this thing look good for a couple seconds, right? Yeah. And or a couple minutes, and that that's the case with the with the Lobo one. The genius part, at least as I was watching, you know, they this is probably one of those early examples of them trying to make something look like a retro artifact, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. you've got a few of the fake lines that come across, but the quality of, of camera and everything they were probably using to film this makes it look like a PBS Christmas special. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's clear off the bat that that opening scene is supposed to sort of, even the title in a sense is evoking the star Wars Christmas special. Right. Yeah. And he's oh, almost God. coming into most eyes. Almost contemplated doing that. Right, yeah. Well, that would have been great. But, you know, he's even coming, it looks like he's coming into, like, the cantina there at the beginning, in a sense, and there's the (laughs) Easter Bunny in the back. Or it almost looks like the Black Adder Christmas special in terms of that quality, like, so it has that, like, raggedy-looking stage play. Like, you get the idea that the Easter Bunny costume is just moth-bitten. It's really (laughs) kind of gross. Stinky. Yeah, and he 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 probably was. And that whole thing had that feel, and it was perfect because they got it. They didn't. They found a way, like some of these other movies we talked about. They found a way to use that low budget to their advantage. It's in some ways, it's so because Lobo itself, I guess, for anyone who hasn't really read the comics, there's a sense, even more so than a Deadpool or something like that. There's a sense where Lobo is a spoof of a certain kind of a hero, like. He, you know, he, 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 he exists in the DC was. universe, yeah, but he almost exists in an offshoot of the DC universe in a sense. He doesn't he doesn't quite belong. I mean, he you he would show up with some of the other guys, but he doesn't quite belong next to a Superman exactly. He's he's almost satirical in that way. You, you know, some of he almost represents more like some of the more indie comics like Cerberus or some of those kind of characters yeah. where it's I think like he almost killed Superman at one point. Yeah, yeah, I imagine. So. Yeah, I think you're. I actually think you're right. But yeah, that. But so he's almost like he's meant to be jokey. He's meant to be satirical. There's a sense where you're not supposed to take him seriously at all. And in 2002, they didn't have this money to put this big, gory, ridiculous uh, show on. So the fact that they make it look like this raggedy stage play PBS special is sort of the same effect the comic book had. You know, I think comic yeah. book had Santa laying dead at his feet right on the cover. <laughs> and I, I, I actually, I actually think they they probably shot the the entire movie in a room 
the size of the one I'm sitting in right now. Oh, oh. that's me. Sorry. About that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like Little House on the Prairie. Was I was going to say, how appropriate. I mean, one of the things that I love about it as well, and I've always kind of liked about about Lobo is if you're saying about him sort of not quite fitted into the DC universe, he always felt a little bit more heavy metal or yes, like go. like a Morpheus kind of creation. Um, yeah, well, in this, in this version, yeah, I mean, the the earliest he, I mean, he he's looked differently from from time mm. to time. Yeah, he but, was more of a like not stock, but he was more of your average mercenary kind of character when he first was conceived. Yeah, but looked they, more superhero-ish yeah. with the with the, the leotards, and uh, he had a he had a haircut back then, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then he kind of, I mean, Lobo couldn't care less yeah about anything except well except for space dolphins if, if you touch <laughs> space dolphins he will he will eviscerate you basically which is a great kind of time because here he kind of looked like you could get at this point jason momoa to play him and so if you had jason momoa mm. to play him and aquaman at the same time the space dolphins make a lot more sense yeah <laughs> he actually fought again uh, he fought aquaman and then found out that uh Aquaman were, was friends with the dolphins, so he had to kind of play nice and not kill him, <laughs> which bummed him out. Because Lobo, if there's anything Lobo likes to do, it's kill and maim. When do we get a Lobo movie? I thought after Deadpool we would get a Lobo movie. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he he showed up in uh, the show Krypton. HBO yeah. Max has all that stuff now, right? They can get us a Lobo show or something, right? They should. That and a Grimjack, a Grimjack oh. show. Have you seen Star? Has anyone, this is off the bat, but have you, has anyone seen Stargirl? Yeah. It's, it's really good. The, I just watched yeah. it on it, it with my really, daughter. It is really, good. Very good. I was, Luke Wilson was great in it. I mean, everybody yeah. was great in it, but very good. And it harkens back to the, the golden era, which I loved. So, yes, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. My kids kept saying, are these real superheroes? And I was like, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah they are. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> oh, no, he's I mean, Lobo is I don't know. I mean, how, yeah, I mean, it, the fact that he basic. Well, they kind of retconned his uh, his uh, past a couple of times. But the 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 version that I like the most is that he kind of bioengineered scorpions so they could fly and just for fun and he wiped out his entire planet so he's the last one well he thought uh, there were uh, later on there were more but he basically wiped out his entire planet just for for fun this could be such a fun movie and if it was made in the 90s i feel like it would be almost made in that like tank girl vein yeah 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 i think it yeah yeah i think that would that, that, that would fit quite nicely just trying to avoid the mutant kangaroos. I always got a tank girl vibe <laughs> watching this this short film, you know this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Film. But I would say anyone who doesn't really know is like, what's a Lobo? Like this is a good place to start. Watch the watch the short film, find the comic, yeah. and then yeah. go from there because it's a it's fun and it it has that potential to be kind of I think one of those Christmas things. Again, everything we chose was in the bah humbug vein, which probably is surprising. <laughs> but I mean, when the way he goes up against Santa and Santa's kind of play, and the fact that the Santa has an Easter bunny in a cage and has already eaten his, uh, his junk. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and the fact that when, when uh, Lobo is sitting, talking to the Easter bunny and there's a bunny on the table that is apparently <laughs> annoying Lobo. And he just yes. 
And you hear <laughs> that's that the most little violent squeaky part sound. Of this, actually, that's on screen. Yeah. And you hear the little squeak. <laughs> <laughs> and again, and, and Santa, well, Lobo's pissed at Santa because every time he wished for something at Christmas, he never got it. And apparently it was a snow globe and Santa gives it to him. Yeah. And then he looks at it and it's almost mesmerized for a while and it gives Santa hope. And then Santa draws a gun on Lobo and Lobo looks at the snow globe and he throws it away <laughs> and wham. And uh, Santa's gone. So I, don't show this for your kids because uh, we killed right, both the was, Easter Bunny and Santa Claus. That was the part where I censored myself for the PG logo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... There you go. Four perfectly uh, twisted, <laughs> twisted <laughs> things to watch. Uh, none of them appropriate for children. No. Nope. Um, uh, at all. At all. At all. Nope. When, nope. when, when the when David Bradley cursing under his breath about <laughs> uh, about all kinds of horrible things is the most family friendly. You know, that's when you've got issues. But yeah, so those are the movies. There's tons of other ones out there. Uh, are there any that you guys just wanted to maybe throw a mention out? Uh, any kind of Christmas movie that maybe you feel is underrated or isn't seen enough or that you would suggest well, for people? I thought of one when you talked about your movie, uh, Nathan. Uh, it's a Swedish one, and it's a dysfunctional family. And it it's basically about how communication is uh, is the key to everything. Because it's a married couple who it's kind of not working out so well. And uh, she and, and this, again, communication people, that is uh, the key point here. She goes and uh, gets uh, artificially pregnant and not telling her husband, which is not good because the husband has had a vasectomy and didn't tell his wife. So when they tell each other this at Christmas time with family and friends gathered, you can all just guess what happens. Dysfunctional family and feuds at Christmas time because he thinks that she's been having fun with with other men, of course, because he can't have children because he had a vasectomy and uh, it is it is glorious to behold. And then a Santa appears to bring presents to the kids and the dad loses it and beats the shit out of this poor Santa Claus in front of everyone. It is amazingly funny. What is the name what, of this movie? It's called, uh, it, it, it's kind of, kind of like Santa is the father to all the children. It's a Swedish movie. I'm not sure you can even find it somewhere. Uh, <laughs> well, it sounds but, uh, like a twisted version of the Gift of the Magi, right? The, the Henry Christmas story. That's a, you know, the it, it's the twisted version of that where the uh, the woman cuts all her long hair off so she can afford to buy her husband like a a watch chain, and he sh- sells the watch chain to buy her a comb. But <laughs> here you got impregnation and vasectomy, and it all goes horribly wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically just it's a it's a drama. But it's it's just the way that I mean things like this you don't take you don't do these this kind of thing in a marriage without telling each other because it's not going to work out fine. So, so and uh, this isn't played this isn't played as a comedy of errors. I'm taking it. This is one of those uncomfortable and just grows more uncomfortable as it goes yes. along. Yes, and and uh, throw throw in a little comedy in it too, but it is uncomfortable, and I love watching movies like that. Yeah, it kind of reminds. Yeah, not the not that 
that element of it, but that uncomfortableness and how things can almost go to the point where you almost might as well be watching a horror film. <laughs> and the movie yep. Krisha, which is more of a Thanksgiving movie. Have you guys seen that one? No, uh, I know about it. I don't. Yeah, sure that's another one. If you want just to feel sort of like I, I'll take you know, be glad that you're quarantined. <laughs> 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 you know, it's one of those movies maybe make you feel a, but um. Uh, so it's Santa Claus's father to all the children. Is that sort of yeah. how the translation goes? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Swedish title is Tomten e Fall to Alla Bon. Nice, nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, we're gonna, we're going to have to put that in the show notes. Yes, I will find it for sure. Uh, <laughs> anyone else have any? I have I have one that I'm sure you guys have seen that I don't know that Joe Blow has seen, and it's uh, Shaitan, which is Satan in Arabic. One of those French extreme films from 2006. That's the one with Vincent Cassel? Yeah, Vincent Cassel's in it. And uh, it's about a group of kids that go, it's, it opens up at a rave. And they're at a, a, a rave and then they kind of head out to the countryside, kind of like how a lot of those French ones kind of end up. But when they meet a strange guy, things kind of take a tour towards uh, Satanism. And I'll, I'll just okay. kind of leave it like that. And it's if you kind of like you, you know, your Otancion and you like your ills and, and those kind of, of the French inside. Mm -hmm. uh, it's mm. it's one of the ones that's the lesser known of those, but it occurs over the Christmas holidays. So it's fun. The other one I wanted to mention was Anna and the Apocalypse. I was uh, yeah. you, you've stolen my thunder. <laughs> oh, sorry. God, <laughs> damn, sorry. God. He's just setting you up. There you go. You, I'm <laughs> setting you up, and the amazing Hugh Lloyd will fill you in. No, I, I, Anna and the Apocalypse. It is, um, it's a zombie apocalypse musical, uh, set, uh, in a little town in Scotland, um, at Christmas. It's just joyous. It's just joyous and silly. Um, and it, it's got, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a zombie musical set at Christmas and it, it, like I said, it is absolutely joyous. I love it. And I think I, it came out 2019, um, 2018, 2019. It is, it, it's, it's really good. It is so good. Uh, it's got a really young cast to it. Um, but no, you know, it, check it out because it's just superb. It is superb. I can't, I can't recommend it enough. That was a movie that was interesting. I went to the theater to see it. It was hard to find it showing anywhere, and it was at a very late showing. And it was one I was so tired, and I and I was kind of going in and out of it. And I remember walking out and being like, that's not – you know, it didn't really do anything for me. And then last year, sitting down on Christmas Eve and looking – it was on Hulu or something and turned it on with my wife and realized I was I was just tired. That was the problem with it because it is a lot of fun. It's yeah. It's yeah, great. It's uh, you get a high school musical vibe at first, but then it's almost more like the Buffy the Vampire Slayer musical episode. Yes. You know, it's got that kind of vibe going for it. Yeah, and Ella Hunt as Anna is superb in it. She's absolutely superb in it. It's a, it's a great film. Great film. Have yeah. Anyone really seen Night of the Hunter? Yes. It's, yes. Set, at, it's yeah. set at Christmas time. Yeah. It. I guess it is, isn't it? Yep, one, of the, one of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah, like of any genre, honestly. Uh, yeah, I mean, man, a, that is a, a, a murderer dressed as a priest hunting two little kids. Exactly, Christmas. The, the yeah. other, the other <laughs> silly one that I always kind of go to is the dorm that gripped blood. <laughs> uh, 
we're talking about an American classic and Bill drops the door. <laughs> Charles Lawton's one and only right, film that is considered like cinematic perfection of blending uh, sort of neo uh, sort of yeah. German expressionism together. And then we go the dorm, the drift left. <laughs> <laughs> even introduce everything. And another silly one is if Night of the Hunter is like, yeah, like a, a Leslie Nielsen film. <laughs> But yeah, the night of the hunter is amazing. I love that that trip down the river where the kids are on the raft and wow. in the yeah. foreground you see all of the like frogs and things and everything just looks so big. It's such a fantastic movie. And the dorm of drip blood's not bad either. No. <laughs> well, then staying in that vein, just throw in bad Santa. Bad oh. Santa, yeah. Um, the scene where he comes out of that uh, up through the the escalator and he <laughs> looks like shit. <laughs> and That's too it good, is actually. Am- that is amazing. <laughs> that broken, well, that empty half. Well, it's a uh, the whiskey bottle almost yes. empty, and and him looking. Yeah, it's yeah. The kid gives him the pickle he carved for him, but it's brown because he bled all over yeah. it. Yep. That <laughs> <laughs> a whole movie is just um, yeah, it is something. Yep. <laughs> It the, is. One, the one movie I was going to do for tonight, I didn't want to search too hard, was 2018's uh, talk about dysfunctional family called Secret Santa. Did any of you guys see I don't Secret think I've seen that one. Nope. It's a, uh, I'll, I'll just leave it as saying it's a dysfunctional family. Lots of crap nice. is there. The IMDb is Christmas dinner brings tidings of death when someone enacts revenge. And out of this bloody madness rises a hero who must face all odds to stop an outbreak before it's too late. Nice. Hmm. So it's uh, it's a it's a fun one. Yeah, so, I, mean, I, I mentioned to you guys as well, Santa Slay. Oh, Bill so fun. I, so fun. I, I was like, oh, Silent Night, Daily Night, Santa Slay. Yeah, Bill Goldberg just going bonkers. It's, it's just, it, yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> that movie Listen, like the opening scene if you only see the opening scene you still s- can be fully satisfied in yes i um, put in the chat a link to the santa fight and that movie i mentioned oh nice perfect it's perfect yeah it's i mean it's in swedish but uh, you can see a watch a fight anyway so <laughs> is, is there a dubbed version i have no idea or maybe at least subtitled. I get that handle subtitled, but probably somewhere. Um, yeah, and, and I love in Santa's sleigh. There's a scene where he's in like the he goes to like the the strip club or whatever, and he he, he tears the 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 pole yeah. off to fight with. Yeah. But before he does it, he has to wash it down with a rag and sanitize it. Yes, <laughs> he's spraying it down and wiping it down, and then he wheels it like a bow staff. Yeah. I appreciate he had a hell bison. I was saying I, I want to see him go up against the Kurt Russell Santa Claus from the Netflix. Yes. <laughs> or, the, or the Christmas Chronicles. Yeah, the Christmas Chronicles. Just yeah. get rid of all the rest of that and just take that Santa, the Kurt Russell Santa, and have him face off against the Goldberg Santa. I like when they put it, they hold a cross up at him and he's like, I'm Santa Claus, not Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found I mean, like, it. Let's see. On IMDb, it's called In Bed with Santa. It's from 1999. That's the. the <laughs> let me just read. Let me just read the, the synopsis here. The synopsis. Go for it. In what has to be one of the worst ideas in Christmas party planning history, Swedish housewife Sora 
decides to celebrate the Yuletide season with her three ex-husbands and their families. Though her current spouse initially is quite opposed, he eventually gives in. Then the booze kicks in. <laughs> families start infighting, and the husband grows increasingly annoyed as the guests make repeated re- references to having sex with his wife. <laughs> and during dinner, Sarah announces that she is pregnant. This strikes her husband as odd, concerning that he had a vasectomy a year before. Soon, the party devolves into utter chaos. Dumpster fire, the movie. That is, that is Christmas and, in a nutshell. And then the TV starts telling them they're all locked in together. <laughs> <laughs> yes, nice. Yes. Oh, that's even so, better. Someone blocking the door and windows from the outside. And yeah. Resolved. A couple of I'll mention, uh, Rare Exports is always good fun. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. Christmas Tale. And it's a strange, I actually, I showed that to my kids, and then I was looking, I was like, wait, this is rated R? But I guess it's mostly for the old elf nudity that should be <laughs> the elderly. Because I'm like, this is That's pretty tame. And then, yeah, right. <laughs> right. Uh, rated R for old man peen, you know. It's. <laughs> but, but otherwise, it was a it was a lot of fun. Have and I don't know if you guys have you seen the short films that they were that this movie was based off of? No. Uh, it's yeah, all, I think so. Way back, yeah, it's a yeah because it's, it's, it's on, on YouTube. Yeah. So if you look them up, and I'll try to put them in the show notes too. Rare exports. The director originally did this. He was working for a marketing company, and he sent every all of his or he I guess he was kind of freelancing, and he sent all of his clients at Christmas time this video that was and it doesn't do all the backstory so it's just these hunters and suddenly they you know they're talking about how they're hunting the king of the forest for 300 years and you just see this fat old man perched on a rock in their <laughs> in their sight and they're talking about hunting father christmases and it's running through the field and they're chasing him and uh it's it's kind of special the last one i will mention i did just watch it i didn't even know it ex- i knew it existed but i didn't know what movie it was i kept seeing posters for this movie called fat man with mel gibson and yeah. Looking at it and thinking, uh, you know, I'm not much on, on Mel Gibson these days. So I see it and I'm like another crime thriller and he's kind of doing direct video. Then I watch the trailer and realize that Mel Gibson is actually playing Santa Claus in this movie. Like the Santa Claus who's run down, has completely given up on kids and, and the world and mostly just delivers coal to children now. And is in the process of selling out everything he has to the military. You know, he's going to co-opt with them if he can. And he gives this rich kid coal and the kid goes nuts and hires Walton Goggins to hunt him down and murder him. And it becomes an action, like, 90s-esque action movie with this grizzled Santa Claus trying to pull himself together enough to oh, save all... They should have thrown Lobo in it. Oh, he, he's got that tone. It gets violent. I mean, it's it's made in that sort of kind of grizzled, you know, and, and Gibson this day looks like a haunted wreck anyway. So, mm-hmm. I mean, here's the point where he's saying, don't get too close to Dasher there. She'll rip your, you know, she'll rip your balls off. And it's uh, he's he, they're sitting at the buffet and all the elves are helping themselves to the, you know, the military's trying to court him. And it gets pretty violent. At, it, but at the same time, it's a legitimate movie. Like, you kind of get involved in it. It almost has a feel of like, uh, again, one of those 90s movies like Assassins or something. And yet he is Santa Claus. It, he's the mythical Santa. Hmm. I, I remember Joel watched it, uh, I think, last weekend before we recorded. And he, he told us to watch it. So Yeah, it's I'm not... Very, it's 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 a, it's it's fun. It's not something I don't again, I don't know that it's destined for Christmas classic, but it's fun to see someone take that idea 
And it's also kind of fun just to discover and like, oh, wait, this is out there. And and Gibson, even with all the things going on, he still is a you know, he can still be a strong actor. Um, yeah. It's not quite, you know, I, I saw Bruce Willis in something the other day on Netflix. And honestly, if I didn't know who Bruce Willis was, I'd assume that, that he was the director's dad. You know what I mean? Like, uh, there's a couple <laughs> yeah, of these guys. He phones are it in once touch. in a while. Yeah, he phones yeah. it in once in a while. Yeah. So. So, but um, yeah, I recommend that one. It's 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 fun, and it's hard to find new Christmas movies. I think Anna and the Apocalypse would be the other one I'd say that, you know, they're relatively new and, and fresh. Right. There's something out there called December, but I haven't seen it yet. It seems like it's the advent calendar of horror shorts, apparently. So mm-hmm. okay, yeah, nice. the, the one I the one the one I saw the other night that I was interested that if you guys had seen, I know Nathan has. It's called Body. Body. Uh, body and it's on prime and it's about these girls that are sitting around their house you know they're smoking up a little they're drinking a little and they want something to do they hop in the car and one of them says i'm going to go to this house that my rich uncle owns with all the fancy cars and stuff so they hop in the car they get in there and it turns out the girl it's not the girl's uncle it's just a house of somebody that she used to babysit for and somebody startles them in the house and they're like oh crap i i'm not supposed to be in this house we're gonna get in trouble blah 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 the person ends up being larry fessenden and larry fessenden gets pushed down the stairs and his body isn't moving and these three girls are stuck with this moral dilemma in the middle of the holidays of what do we do next and i'll just leave it at that for people to kind of figure it out and watch because it was one that kind of flew under my radar didn't know anything about it I'm going to be talking about it in a few days with uh, Matt uh, Matt Rawlings and his son Jackson on Father and Son Watch Horror. And it was Jackson. Oh, nice. Jackson found this or he'd nice. heard about it. And it's worth looking into. It's, it's not an overly long one. It's an hour, 15 minutes. But it's only got a 5.2 on IMDb. And I think that's quite low. I would have given it six to six and a half. And anything with Larry Fessenden, I'm watching. I'm all in with Larry Fessenden. <laughs> It is a fun movie, and it is it it kind of has that very spare, very simple concept, but it plays a lot with it, and it has that stage play feel almost. Mm. Let's see, Larry Fessenden got me thinking. What is it? We are still here. Is that set in? That's it's a winter movie, but it's it wintry. Yeah, Christmas? it's kind of yeah. That's a good one too. That is one that takes a a turn. <laughs> that, yeah, man. End. Right. You you think you're watching one kind of movie and then you're watching yep. another. I like that when that happens. Yeah. Uh, Fessenden directed one again, not Christmas, but the, uh, his movie Windigo is a pretty good winter sort of yeah, horror movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Film. And, great film. and kind of a interesting because it is almost more of a psychological. You know, we talked about those elements that were in Night of the Hunter of that kind of from the kid's perspective and almost dreamlike. There's a lot of that going on in that movie. Yeah, it's great film. And then when you cool. think of Fessenden, I think of The Dead Don't Die. He's hilarious in that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that was uh, that was a lot of fun, guys. I had a great time. Yep. Yeah, and, thank you for having us on. Uh, a lot of good choices out there for people who want a little bit of something darker. For You know, this is definitely once the kids are in bed having their sugar plum dreams now yes that's the perfect time to to break out the uh the wine the vodka the whatever i the guess booze. and then the uh cue up lobo yeah. and uh yeah. silent night deadly night <laughs> um and if you're really adventurous 
Silent Night, Dead in Light 5, The Toy Maker, <laughs> which is Bonzo <laughs> crazy, which, which has Mickey Rooney playing a character named Joe Petto. <laughs> oh, boy. But, yeah, what a mess. <laughs> uh, so before we go, uh, Hugh, anything you want to promote or mention? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm about to start. Uh, I've started pre-production on my first feature film, uh, School Hall Slaughter, and we're going to be um, filming in August. Uh, got a great cast uh, lined up. I got uh, Derek Nelson, Emma James, Emma Stacey, um, CL Raven are in it. Uh, the twin authors. Um, yeah, so, it's, so so everything is like full steam ahead on that now. Uh, and of course, you can find me at the Undead Wookie, which is on SoundCloud and uh, Apple iTunes. So uh, yeah, check us out on there. And of course, we're hoping you'll come back, and we want that first exclusive interview when the movie breaks. Oh, absolutely. Anytime, anytime. You just say, name the place and I'll be there. We get the free swag too, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. We have got some really, really cool stickers and things. Um, yeah. Is there a specific site for the, the film that you would like us to put up? I can throw well, in the show notes. We are going to be, uh, obviously, you, you can actually find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter, uh, on School Hall Slaughter. Um, but we're going to be starting another round of um some indiegogo stuff just to get a little bit of extra in the bank just to just to so we get up our sort of fx budget and a few other little pieces but uh, and, and, and what might be the benefit somebody gets by, for supporting the uh, movie oh well so like murdered example, and stuffed in a locker well yeah we did give away <laughs> yeah yeah we did give away a, a small walk on roll um for somebody for a, for a particular investment um we give them producer credits uh, but some of the swag that we've got, you, we've got an awesome sort of VHS-style um, cover all designed, ready to go for uh, a limited edition DVD for it. Full uh, painted got, cover, I assume? Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Probably, it's a genuinely old-school AD slasher. Uh, we got some yeah, really cool uh, school, hall, uh, school Hall Slaughter um, stickers. Uh, we got some uh, hand-drawn uh, art by uh, Emma Stacey, who's our, who's our leading lady um yeah and like the the short film the short version of it uh has just been selected for horror on sea festival as well so it's part yes. of the official selection awesome. there so i was like so, yeah are, are you so, gonna re, are you gonna use the the, the pencil kill and uh oh absolutely absolutely nice. so no, is, yeah. is this a triple b uh boobs blood and beast uh we, we you know because we're not we're, we're not dealing with you know there's plenty of uh, plenty of blood um yep. but we you know it's a smaller budget so we can't afford the boobs uh, <laughs> <laughs> boobs cost money um they do so they do because uh, there's two of them and um <laughs> yes yeah, so we'll uh <laughs> 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 don't, don't sh- we're all week try the veal um but yeah no it's yeah it, that's that's flying ahead and uh it, it's that most talking um uh, Derek Nelson uh, the other day about Lena is like this is this is happening this is this is going ahead. And you were uh, telling me before there's a good heavy metal soundtrack. Absolutely yeah, um, Black Phantom um, are providing us. Uh, they're an Italian metal band um, and they're providing us with our our, our title uh, called The Road. Uh, it's a great track. Um, it, it is really really atmospheric, uh, and I got a great uh, Italian. Um, uh, a guy doing the score a guy called emmanuel bellini is doing the score for us as well um because you know I, what i'm loving about the, the fact that i managed to bring it's just by coincidence 
because uh, it's been, it, you know, it's very much inspired by Fulci and Barva and, you know, all those great guys and, uh, you know, Argento and things. So, uh, yeah, really, really excited to be getting that going. So, yeah. So nice. School Hall Slaughter, the podcast, yeah. <laughs> and is the short is the short available or is the short available out anywhere or not at the moment because oh, it's because okay. it's in festival and things so we okay. so we can't sort of uh, however you do go over to youtube you can check out some of the trailers that are out there on it um so uh, I've just it multiple times you have yes <laughs> I, and, and i gotta say and it's not just because he's your peter played a huge part um in helping us get in the short film um funded mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I just, 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 just a sign up. Just what a wonderful guy Peter is. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we, sh- we shot the short in like a day and a half, essentially, um, which was just insane <laughs> looking back at it. But, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's all coming together. It's, you know, awesome. so I'm, I'm really well, excited. When the, uh, when the Indiegogo site goes up, uh, drop us a line. We will we'll make sure we promote it on the Facebook page and put it on the site and everything. So Thank you very much. I would appreciate that. Thank you so much. And Peter, how about you? Any Swedish what? family dysfunction films you might be making <laughs> in the future? No. no well, you, you never know. But uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> you can... Basically, go to Red Movie Geek where you find uh, three man children talking about movies <laughs> 20 years old or older. And we just realized that going into next year, we can talk about movies from 2001, which is just absurd. Nice. That's 20 years ago. That's yeah, right. Just, it's hard to imagine it is. Yeah. So you can go there or you can hear uh, me, Joel, and uh, Allison from, uh, uh, from the Haunted Davenport podcast where we talk about. Uh, on Terror in the Tube, we, we talk about TV, movies, horror, suspense, thriller from mainly from the 70s and 80s. I think yeah, we have one 90s movie so far. So Such go a great there. Show. That's one of those Very things much. that when it started, it's like I wish I thought of that idea. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great show. And it came, it came by chance because we did a TV movie and we and me and Joel talked about this is so much fun and there are so many of them out there and a lot of them you haven't seen which is the the whole premise we go choosing these completely by random just like you flick through a TV guide and the movie that's on that like like the days of yawn where yeah. you were in where yeah basically the channel was in control of your evening the movie yeah, that was on haunting memories for the rest of like 20 years, you know, exactly uh, because you couldn't remember what the movie was. Uh, in yeah. fact, I think Dave Royce called up on LOTC and mentioned Bermuda Depths and how he always had this memories of that movie. And I had the exact same. It was weird. Listen, I was like, I've had that exact same experience with that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean you, you 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 watch them once, if any. But I, that's the way that's the premise we choose the movie from completely by random by lists I put together and have tried to co- completely forget about what movies are on them. So I don't, I don't <laughs> think so it you, you can always tell at the end of the episode because you're constantly surprised. Yeah. <laughs> and Allison <laughs> always thinks she hasn't seen them, but she has. Yeah. That's the, that's the, the, the running gag, but uh, yeah. we'll see. To that show and also to a specific episode, because you did one early on home for the holidays, which is yeah. a Christmas themed uh, horror, yes, kind of horror, yep. more mystery, yep. but 
horror movie. Mm. So I'll put a link to that one. That's a perfectly good uh, kind of offbeat Christmas movie. Which is yeah. which is funny because every time I come across in my various trolls through YouTube, uh, a made-for-TV movie, and I watch it, and I'll send it to Joel, and he goes, well, it's already on the bottom of the list. It's number 302. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably because I don't – sometimes I, when people throw out a movie, I go, oh, do we have it on the list? And I just quickly – browse through it to to find out but uh there's a lot of uh, we have a we have a whole bunch you'll show up on the list 12 or something <laughs> uh, i don't know how many quote-unquote season i think we're i season well, two, we're right? doing yeah we're doing season two so i think we have we're good up to season five i think i found a whole slew of them and there are more out there so uh, <laughs> we'll see we'll we'll do this for for as long as we we have fun with it. So so you can check me out there or you can go if you want to go back and listen to more. You can go to Forgotten Flicks, uh, the, the the originator of everything. And that's Forgotten Flicks with an X. You can hear me and you can read stuff. And uh, yeah, that's that's the the main part. And then there's also Letterboxd and Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. But uh, the, the podcasts and the, the written reviews are, are more fun. Very cool. So a lot of fun. And uh, Peter, again, thanks for joining. Hugh, thanks for joining. We'd love to have both of you back sometime. Sure, and uh, we'll have to do a full DC episode, Peter, um, a comics episode of some kind, and have you back. Because I, I get sure the feeling you have a some. lot of knowledge. Well, the, if you want to talk comics, Daryl's the man. He, brought, he actually brought one to my attention yesterday that I'd forgotten about. A, 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 one of the first graphic novels with Batman, Batman, Son of the Demon. Oh wow! Yeah, that story. is. Yeah. Uh, and I had not read that, so I'm uh, I'm in the middle of that at the moment. So uh, that's a good story. So, but uh, but Daryl is uh, is the comics nerd who knows everything. He's <laughs> <laughs> a sort of guru, but yeah, nerd works too. Uh, <laughs> uh, Bill, how about you? Anything you want to? Well, Land of the Creeps has a Christmas one coming up, and it's going to have a killer three killer giveaways on the next Christmas slasher episode. So, uh, oh, depending yeah, upon that. when, whenever this one comes out, you may have a chance to uh, submit your favorite Christmas slasher. But wait, what they're asking is, come up with your own movie that you would create over the Christmas holidays. Who would you cast as killer? Santa, Killer Mrs. Claus, and what would you call the film? Uh, so that's kind of fun, and I, I have a feeling by the time this comes out, it will already be out, and the, and the prizes are great. I'll just say that. Other than that, I'm keeping one coming up with uh, Matt and Jackson on Father and Son Watch Horror, an amazing uh, podcast, if you haven't heard that one, and I'm sure we'll put the link to that. And I always shout out to the Real Talk guys, Real Talk Movie Podcast. Yeah, nice. David Bradley for Santa Claus. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> that is actually well, pants on or pants off. <laughs> well, you know, there's a whole Definitely movie there for off. him to lose them and get them back. <laughs> Probably be not unlike when they had that movie Arthur Christmas, and uh, I think Bill Nye did the uh, voice of the older Santa Claus. Oh, it's yeah, like, impossible right. to go all around the world in one night. He's like, back in my day, they thought it was impossible to teach a woman to read. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur Christmas, Ouch. a very good movie, if you guys haven't seen it. It's, it's like, Burn. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, everyone. And this is the Phantom Galaxy signing off. Take care. 
If you've been enjoying the music here on Phantom Galaxy, the opening theme and the closing theme are both brought to you by synth-pop artist Aries Beats. He's done a lot of really cool stuff in the world of synth-pop, a lot of very interesting genre-based retro themes. You can find more of his work over at ariesbeats.bandcamp.com. And until next time, we are the Phantom Galaxy. Thank you.